Welcome to Biggest Geekus. We're your hosts. I'm Randy. You are looking at the screen. I am Joe. Oh, yeah, it was. I saw it. <laughs> it just is supposed to disappear first, then okay, you so, go. So whenever it says we're broadcasting live, that's not the thing. Okay. No, let me show you. Hold on a second. Super cool. Hold on a second. You see that? Yeah. Then it goes away. Welcome to Biggest Geekus. We're your hosts. I'm Randy. <laughs> and I'm Joe. And we're great at this. This is yeah, our forte. This is our paying full-time job. <laughs> this is episode 71 of our podcast. The date's Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. We're shaking, Bacon. Not much. Subscribe, everybody. Do it, yes. Darthiac in the house. Doing good, buddy. Doing yes, we good. are doing well. Had to go to work today. That was sad. But it was good. It's good. Day. I didn't. Yeah, no. Look at you. Two days. Oh, 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 oh. let me show. Oh, what my you wife got? got me as a preliminary birthday present. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I got something in today too that was pretty sweet. Came oh, home. Another giant figure that cost too much money. No, but close. Hey, Larry, he's in. Larry Elliott's in the house. Check that out. Oh, Alien Alamo. Signed by my man, Graham Nolan. I'm oh, going to wow. buy all of them. I read it. Sat down and read the whole thing. It's very cool. I got to read you this piece. Their next one is a giant-sized, two-fisted, manly tails. Listen to this. Collection of ball-busting, knuckle-dusting, lip-splitting, teeth-spitting tales of toxic masculinity by some of the greatest writers and artists in the business. In the current soy-based entertainment world of today, these stories will make you proud to be a man again. All Go right. buy this. And it's a wraparound cover. It's cowboys and aliens, and it's cool. All right. We're filling in. Good deal. All right. Chad's are in the house. Timmy. He's there. That's sweet. That's okay. We were we were uh, shaky. We had a shaky start. We so hopefully all, hopefully all of you missed it. Oh, they all saw it. And don't bleep it out. Don't you you put it in the podcast, dude. Will do. It's funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh man. All so, right. Did we did we say all the stuff? Uh, episode seventy one. I did all that pretty quick. Yeah, seventy one. We'll be talking more about thirteenth age today. Um. So. Right. Oh, who is Nora Ryukaius? Max is like, oh, is that his wife, maybe? That's You just murdered her name. Uh, yes, because I do not speak whatever language that is, and I apologize. Well, that's I don't know if that's officially Japanese, but... No, it's whatever she, whatever it is. It's cool sounding if someone could say it right. Yes, yes. I, it's possible that she could say it right, but it's doubtful. I bet she, I bet she could. It is Japanese. Hard to pronounce. It's hard for ever, even Japanese. That, that's Max's wife. Yes, I figured, I just, but I didn't know. So now that now that I saw Max is doing that, it's okay. It's Japanese. Thanks, Nora. I appreciate it. Noro. Ooh, Noro. Cool. Noro. Work on it. Work on it. So. Reading is fundamental. It is. So. Oh, yes. my drawback, though. So we'll get into it, but I've been very busy on the Internet. Um, I probably yeah. probably gave some of my uh, immortal soul over to the uh, uh, the interwebs a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, you were like, Joe was running around the whole interwebs being a guest star everywhere. Well, I don't know about star, but a guest. <laughs> you, <laughs> you represent. <laughs> Look at Chad's are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, she yes. is. It's Queen Noro. Okay, I'll get that right. Queen Noro. Queen Noro. All right. Well, uh, what about emails and call-ins, my brother? We got well, it. Well, emails. So uh, Funny you ask. Yes. We have 1,200 and some odd emails. No. Yes, yes. <laughs> From very interested Russian uh, um, people. Okay. Yes, yes. I have to. I have to tighten up the website a little bit so I, we don't get uh, getting bombarded with spamitude. Yeah, they're very concerned about us. So are they? Well, that's nice yeah. of them. Walls okay. of text. I mean, there's probably six or seven hundred words in each of these emails. Ah, nice. Extremely, extremely um, challenged English, I would say. Cool. So I've got to do something about that. Um, so if there are any real emails in there, I have no idea. Because I, I popped over there right quick the other day, and it was like 300. I'm like, oh, i got to get to that. And then I did. So. <laughs> so. Uh, but we do have a vo- uh, some voicemail. Oh, hit us, baby. We do, we do. From our old buddy, John Allen Large, over at oh. the Red Dice Diaries. Sweet. He runs some old school games and he puts them on the internet for everyone to enjoy. Very cool. All right. So let me make sure I do this correctly. Yeah. Make sure I can seize it. And then the sound should work in theory. All right. There's that. Share system audio. <laughs> so the reason it didn't work the last time, like I was thinking it worked. Just yep. because it's not the same uh, software. I was remembering Zoom, how Zoom worked. Right. Yeah. All right. Here's the first one from Mr. Large. Right. Hey there, guys. It's John here from the Red Dice Stories. Just catching up on my podcast and listening. Just listening to your RPG campaign and Nuts and Bolts episode. And I've got to say, 60 quid for a set of dice. Damn. I definitely wouldn't pay 60 quid for a set of dice. I mean, I'm a little bit biased because most of my games are on like virtual tabletop, so they've got inbuilt dice. I don't need to worry about it. But I'm thinking like, oh, $60, I mean, I could get like 100 OSR books, or I exaggerate them a little bit for effect for that amount, or, you know, like two fifth edition books. Nah, I'm just kidding. Anyway, guys, <laughs> I'll drop you some more voicemails as I'm listening and catching up with your episodes. Glad to hear you're still doing what you're doing. Keep up the good work, guys. Take care. Hey, John. Yeah. I'm not sure what that's in reference to. It's probably from one of our past episodes that, you know, went into the... Uh, oh, that was like pre-Christmas, I think. There was a set of dice we saw that was I thought was kind of cool, but it was 60 bucks. And oh, okay. Yeah, it seemed a little bit on the high side. I agree. Except the, for the little bit part. <laughs> Holy crap, $60. See, dude, at Gen Con, coming to Gen Con 50, it's only a couple of Gen Cons ago when I was there last they had a no, it must have been two, three Gen Cons ago. They had a wooden dice, some wooden from 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 some tree in Africa. They wanted, I want to say, sixty bones for the D twenty alone. <laughs> yeah, okay. wood, <laughs> you know, there are lots of trees here in Michigan. If I really wanted a wooden die, I could go chop down a whole tree again, like, or I just get some fallen, no dead wood, and yep. carve it out myself. It'll take some time. But you know, better than you know, spending a hundred bucks on or, or sixty bucks on one die. Yeah, one kind die, of, kind of crazy sauce. 
Hey there guys, John here again from Red Dice Diaries, still listening to your RPG campaign nuts and bolts episode. Yeah, I think for me, in terms of procedural generation for campaigns, I love a random table and I like the sort of random element you can get, keeps it fun for me as the GM. What I tend to do is also very loosely define areas just to like, just it's not completely 100% random, so I might be like, oh yeah, th this area is like a swamp area, and then the random charts I roll in will be swamp themed, or I might be like, oh, this is a desert, and the random charts I've got will be themed along that line. So you get some very loose themes, and you have a little bit of control, but there's still that random element, and it still keeps it interesting for me as a GM. But that's just my uh, two silver pieces. Take care, guys. I'm going to go back to listening to the episode. It doesn't really surprise me. The way John talked, that sounds like the way he would probably run. That's pretty cool. That's good that he can yeah. handle that. That's a good way to do it, where you got a little bit of control, but not too much. Right. It's always nice to be a little surprised now and again. Unlike me, who's never surprised. Total control freak. Yeah, i got to keep him on the rails, baby. Mm -hmm. Hey there, guys. It's John here from the Red Dice Stories. Just listening to your part one of your 13th age episode oh 13th age episode part one if i can put my teeth in and put my syllables the right way around and you just got to be with a uh, taylor's calling and someone was saying they should better have a good voice for msr or asmr whichever it is which yeah pretty much got to agree i was laughing when um, you were talking about he's got a good voice for radio because i've always prized myself on having a very good face for radio <laughs> Guys, I'm enjoying the episode. I'm going to get back to it. Take care. Oh, I knew that was coming, John. That's yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Me and you both, brother. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, so thank you, John. Yeah. From John Allen Large from the Red Dice Diaries. Haven't heard from him in a while, but we definitely appreciate it. Yeah, it's really good to hear from him. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Go check him out. If, if you like, he does some. He, he He's a podcaster, so... Um, he does his, his um, informational type things in podcast form only, pretty much as far as I can remember. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's everywhere you can get your podcasts. And he has a YouTube channel, I think maybe Twitch as well, but definitely YouTube, <clears throat> where he posts his uh, live action. Yeah, he and his wife Hannah do the podcast. It's really good. They play off back and forth. It's good. Yeah, they've had some scheduling issues with work and whatnot, so I'm not sure – if that's been resolved so that they can podcast together or if he's, he's done a couple of episodes by himself. Work. So, Sticking yeah. work. Work. Uh, right. So that that's call -ins it for, yes, call-ins and emails. Russian emails. All right. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to watch this all the way through, but you wanted to make a little shout out, didn't you, Joe? Yes. Unscripted evil, which is a kind of a panel um, YouTube uh, uh, live stream between uh, unscripted and unchained uh, I can't remember if that's the entire title but unscripted and unchained RPG review I believe is what it is I'm going to have all the links in uh, the show notes so that people can follow all of that stuff um, and uh, the evil DM with the word the in it oh, okay. is his moniker the evil DM right uh, so they they have their own separate uh, uh, YouTube channels, and then they combine on Friday nights um, at 8.30 Eastern and do something called Unscripted Evil. And I popped in there just to say hi and make a couple of comments. 
and they had some, had some very glowing uh, remarks for us. And I cool. really appreciate it and want to give them a shout out as well. Yeah, I have the. Hmm? I was just saying thanks to them. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Thank you. Uh, we have a link to that particular episode and I have a time code as well for when it oh. talks about us, which is obviously the important part. Well, of course, needs to hear Biggest Geekus, but I didn't know you were on there. Uh, the Evil DM, uh, and they have, aren't there normally three guys on that podcast? Yeah. Jeff, I yeah. don't know if he has his own thing. Uh, DM or, does. And DM Bloodworth has um, his own. That's what's called Unscripted and Unchained RPG right. Review. And his name is DM Bloodworth. Right. Um, Right. I wasn't on there. I just popped in and made some, I just chatted. I just was in the chat and said, oh, hello. Okay. and then they said, Hey, to go check out biggest geekus, which was very kind of them. <laughs> I'll check out Shadzar's comment on unscripted evil. <laughs> unscripted evil, the Justin Lanasa public relations department. Are they, uh, are they fans of Justin and, I hope not. I don't know. I don't. I haven't caught too many episodes of it. They seem. Yeah. They seem of a similar disposition. Um, well, at least a little bit I've heard to us. It's not that far removed. And they may. They may um, not see Justin Lanasa as that bad of a person. Yeah. Who knows? Everybody's got their opinions about people. Looks like Ma- Martinson, Baron G Rock, and Legion of Myth Max looks like is in. So that's cool. Good to All see right. you. So uh, another link that we have is on uh, VengerCon. I wouldn't say they're in trouble, but that um, tabletop events, the uh, um, it's a program that people use to schedule their game conventions. It's a website, yeah. Yeah, website. And they booted him because somebody complained that his, I guess, his Chaos stuff or his website. Um, yeah. Not precisely. Oh, hit me. So um, – they, he was asked to remove a link to his website oh. by a certain day, which he did, and so he remains on there. Oh, okay. So, but, but, oh. but, you know, as far as somebody um, being a, a rat fink, uh, yeah. and is true, and it could have resulted in his removal if he didn't take off his, his uh, link to his website. Uh, so... There we go. Oh, so his oh got it. So the link was was removed. Uh, but yeah, that's more crybaby crap because yeah, act yeah. like Venger. I mean, look, Venger stuff looks like it's a little quote unquote risque. But dude, I've been to enough conventions and Gen Con in particular. <laughs> get over yourself. That's yeah, yeah. Sauce. Yeah. Gen Con has a variety of groups like they're called the Cosplay Deviants, and they are totally sexed up, and it's all about booty shorts and TNA. So I'll be honest with you, I don't want to hear it. I no, don't no. want to hear that. No. Yeah. So not at all. Goes off without a, I wish I could go. I actually do. I wish I could go to VengerCon just cause I'd like to support him, but I'm not sure I can make it. He might be full already. So might be, uh, yeah. before you get to the next bit, um, both of us were on Friday's Legion of myth Friday chill stream just for a little while. I was a little while. A little while and I, I came in maybe halfway through when you were on and I stayed yeah. on a little bit after you did. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. It's always good to chat with those guys. So. Yeah, we we do a little bit of talking over each other, so um, that can get a little a little uh, um, uh, free for all ish. But apart from that, it's uh, usually a good time. Always yeah. a good time. Yeah, it's it's a cheer stream. It's a it's a chill stream. So yeah, we're not gonna be like not gonna be as polished as Joe and I are on today. Yes, totally professional. <laughs> totally professional. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I had to comment more about it. That free, we ready to move on? You think? Yeah. This free D and D adventure. Um, uh, working at Strixhaven's Fire Joe Cafe. I'm just like, look, I, I wanted to say it. That's the dumbest, the dumbest idea. It's not an adventure. No, no. I mean, when you go and your objective is to you and your group are going to mix drinks and do all this crazy, you know, you're going to have to deal with difficult customers. <laughs> oh, I'm going to pause. Matt oh, yeah, yeah. said something truthful. If you listen, you will learn, Grasshopper. And uh, anyway, uh, Grasshopper. Now, that's <laughs> an obscure reference. Uh-huh. Focus grasshopper, but anyway, uh, I'm old enough where I can reference that. Yeah. But um, so uh, <laughs> anyway, they, they want to play their little strict saving characters and hang out at Starbucks, but whatever. Um, and so um, <laughs> I just got no got. I don't even know what to tell you. Check it out. Check. Joel had the link posted. It's the call it an adventure is um, uh, literally a, a, a jab at what an adventure is. There is no adventure there. Yeah. It's allegedly worth reading. I mean, uh, you have to, your goals, they're player goals, not character goals, someone yeah. pointed out. So making coffee. Yeah. I mean, my wife loves some coffee, but yeah. I think she would, even she would find this. Uh, <laughs> all right, Shadzar got it. All right. Oh, One no, point for Shadzar. Sorry, I meant to leave it up there. Snatch the pebble from my from my hand. Yeah. Yes. So, um, anyway. Yes. Um, so she would find that adventure um, low T. <laughs> oh, I think uh, Mr. Darth Theix got a good comment. Comment, Joe, you'll appreciate this. Yes, definitely. Again, uh, from Darth Theix. Again, I think that sounds like it. Like uh, sounds have been released. For Monster Hearts, not D and D, it should have been, should have yeah. been released. Yeah, it totally should. For have Monster been. Hearts, yes, yes, yeah. Because of course, uh, working at a coffee shack for Fifth Edition, you could probably play everything in the multiverse besides a human. So, <laughs> you can, and monsters, especially with that latest release, you can yeah. play an Umber Hulk, um, or uh, probably I I don't know I haven't seen it but can you well, play? Well, I think Max said you could play a number of Hulk Ken and have the powers of an elf. I mean, yeah, yeah, you can get to be whatever whatever piece of the glob of goo you want to be. You can yeah. do it. Oh, Mister Larry. I, hey, Larry. Larry, oh, a he, nice comment. So many people refuse to work, so now a job is an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, you should have. With Le- from Legion of Myth, I wish you could have seen HD's. Uh, HD is um, Heathen Dog reaction to before our before our stream. Okay, so I don't know anything about that before our stream when I showed him the coffee shop adventure. I wish he could have re- replicated it on stream, but it was already. Oh no, he's talking about something else that he was talking about um, a bridge and doing something naughty on it. That was something else. So this was yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it was, it's just, it's constant hilarity. Shadzard yeah. jumps in with a sweet. Go ahead, Joe. Right. So remember, though, this was made from an independent third party, but now that it's on D&D Beyond, it's fair game for Wizards of the Coast and looks to be something they would love to do to snatch it up and make it part of their milieu, which is low-T milieu. Yeah. Tim Scott's got to go to Pride of Larry. 
you have to get the Pope to work at that coffee shop. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they had to have the Pope to uh, submit it to <laughs> submit it to uh, um, <laughs> to be <the>, beyond. Yeah. <laughs> it's remote. You know, you can get the coof through the interwebs. Yeah. 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 Hmm. All right. Um, Go ahead, man. You got the next one. Which, oh, that's both of us, actually. Yeah, so uh, this past weekend we played uh, D&D Mudsword again. Mudsword! And uh, Randy showed off his new figure. I had third-level characters fighting Tiamat. It was pretty fun yeah. I mean, for half a round. And then we started the actual game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I had a lot of fun. Character finally made fourth level. Yep. After two adventures, after everybody else made fourth level, <laughs> dude, you forgot. You forgot the fun of old school, man. Yeah, old you school. Know, just, being at different rates. Take a nap till you get second level, and this is yeah. how it is, man. Yeah. So it's been pretty fun. Um, uh, I enjoyed it. I'm sticking with Mud Sword. We got people leveling up. They're getting close. I'm gonna have to do something for the second level uh, miracles for the uh, for the. Uh, um, Lawgivers, uh, even though my sword's probably going to go under go under a revision soon, I still am going to stick with the line that we're on now because I'm kind of enjoying it, but I'm not sure if that's where we're going to stay. Sure, sure, sure. But it was good. Um, it was a good experience. Right. Um, I felt what I felt really good about it uh, was that our characters had to retreat. Yep. Even without the changes that we've the. Uh, the way we've designed things, yep. there was some kind of feeling in my head that we might have maybe stepped a little too high on power, but I don't think we did because no. we had to retreat after one encounter, though, that we, you kind of emptied out the top half of the uh, almost top yeah. half of the uh, moat house at us at one time. So, yeah. which is an old school thing. We used to, uh, it's not technically old school, but it's what we used to do back in the day. Yeah. Send everything in. Yeah. Um, we'll fight well, it all one time. In regards to the moat house, you guys finished them off, which is really tough, and you rested. Well, here's the deal. I mean, at some point over 24 hours, somebody's checking on those guards. <laughs> and so next thing you know, there, when the rogue snuck up there, there were four bugbears. He's like, oh, crap. And that mm. could have been bad if they had caught him by himself for a round or two. Right. Got, uh, got him hornswoggle. But it turned out pretty good, and the fight was solid. The bugbears were, were a pretty tough fight, too. So. Oh, yeah. We got some really great um, – rolls uh mm -hmm. my wife uh tossed one of them out into the into the uh oh yeah into the into the, the moat. moat that, that was worked cool. really well it, it was cool. an off chance that it would have happened but she got the made the roll and boom, we were we would go the folks inside who were separated from the folks outside had one less bugbear to to uh have to handle yeah so it was a good session it was fun um mm -hmm. are you feeling any are you feeling any fatigue with the rules? Because they're kind of simple right now. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I enjoy it. It's, it was easy prep, and I still got tons more to, to go. And I like the fact that I'm doing a variant of the Temple of Elemental Evil, and that gives me – I do a lot of prep, and I got easy – every other week I can do very little to keep up on things. So I kind of like that. Right. All right. So as I said last week – I think I said last week. I, did I get my – no. My TMAD arrived this past – Last Saturday? I don't remember. I had it for Saturday, so I've got it. Then my buddy, uh, who's on here, my buddies, uh, Silent Josh, sent me a text that, hey, you can get the unpainted version now, apparently, for $50 less. And I was like, 
for just fifty dollars less, and it said the MSRP was four hundred for the painted. Um, uh, is, un, is, is the painted was four hundred MSRP? They said, and then the unpainted was three fifty, and I'm like, really? That's for fifty dollars less. You have to for paint yourself. That's how, I wonder how much paint you'd have to use on that thing. I mean, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. And my wife, who used to paint a lot, looked at it and said she wasn't very fond of the painting on the wings. And that's fine. But I, I just loved how awesome it was. Um, see here, Mr. Jeffrey Garrison says, all in on Tiamat. Then market crashes. <laughs> Probably. But the truth is, the truth is told. Here's the deal. I have the Colossal Red. I'm really not buying this stuff as a collector. And when I say that, what I mean is I'm not looking to turn around and make a profit. Right, right. I'm probably never going to sell that. Yet. More in the traditional idea of a collector. I have a collection. I want to Why have do it. Do you want to see it? Not as in I have a collection. I can't wait till it has enough value for me to sell it. See, that's what I'm talking about. Look at Shad Zar's comment. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. I would probably charge $150 to paint TMA. Right on, brother. And it would be worth it. I mean, the truth of the matter is... That's crazy. Fifty bucks less. That that should have been half price if it was a nickel. You know what I'm saying? Unpainted Tiamat should have been half price. Hundred fifty maximum, in my opinion. But whatever. Two hundred. Nah, two hundred is kind of a stretch. So, anyway. Anything else for the news and stuff? Oh, looks like uh, Joseph's got a little sidetrack here. Tech yes, so we have a um, comment up here about from Jeffrey Garrison. Let me see if I can find oh, you found one? Yeah. Never played 13th Age. Why does 13th Age stand out amidst the Legion of OSR clones out there? Oh. Well, one thing is, is it's not an OSR clone, nor does it even claim any connection to old school, really. No. Uh, it's a complete departure from, I think, design or maybe just... I don't know. If I, I have a hard time with when people talk about the design of early games, because I think it's more innovation than actual purposeful design. That's just me. Right. Uh, but old, in old school, um, lethality was high. Uh, character turnover was high, uh, especially concern, uh, compared to uh, uh, modern games. Um, there was a clear distinction between the, the races and classes. Uh, in 13 days, the glasses are all very different. They play very different. Uh, however, um, what what 13th age and why we're talking about it is probably two reasons. One, someone asked asked us about it. Yeah. Or it was asked about and we were included into the conversation after the fact. Yeah. Right. And uh, that because it's something that we've played and liked in the past, and um, it's uh, it's a game for heroic play. It's not a game for zero to hero. So if you want to start out competent and grow into being very powerful, yes, 13th Age is a game that you want, might want to uh, consider. And it's been out for a while. Um, we played it, uh, still play it occasionally, since it came out. I think pretty much from the start, right? Pretty close. Uh, yeah, I wasn't too far behind. The, I think I got, well, I got the book. I got the PDF before the book was released. So, yeah, we played right from the beginning when it was released. And that's kind of our that's our that's about as far as we go from the OSR. Uh, quick side note. I'm going to Baron G Rock's got a little drive ahead of him. He said he'd paint it for free and drive it up to me. He's only six hours from us. I mean, is he really talking about to, to you about that? I think it's time. he. I think he needs he said it, dude. 
So, Jeffrey said he'd do it for fifty, and it wouldn't and it wouldn't look like Barney the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Garrison's going to lead us into our topic. Look at this. How does Thirteenth Age Crunch compare to Three Five? You're about to find out. Yes, you are. That's today, and I'm going to say much lighter. Yes, TLDR. It's a lot. It's a Light might be a tiny bit of an exaggeration. It definitely leans that way. No, it's lighter than three five. Oh, definitely, definitely. definitely. But it's not a light RPG. There's enough. There's enough crunch you can do a little playing with. But I think what I find is the speed to get to the table. As we'll talk, we'll talk about it. Just get to yeah, that. yeah. We got a lot to talk about here. Um. So right before we dive into that, I want to give a couple more shout outs. Do it. One to Bruce Lombardo. Hopefully he shows up sometime this evening. Yeah. If not, um, he will receive a punch in the nuts in the mail. Um, <laughs> Those are the but Bruce Lombardo had me on uh, uh, his Thursday night uh, um, table breakers this past oh, week. Nice. And your ISP sucks. Mm-hmm. We have to apologize. What? Um, let me finish with Bruce. So Bruce had me on Thursday on Table Breakers and then Sunday on his paint and what did he, what does he call it? Paint and chill is what he calls it, uh, where he he and other painters. I am not one, but he invited me anyway because he's cool. So um, thank you, Bruce Lombardo. Go check out his channel. Uh, I will have his channel in the show notes. And then one more thing. I'm not really trying to toot my own horn. I'm doing this for shout outs. Uh, toot it. Or, huh? toot <laughs> don't, it. Don't toot, toot it. Don't toot on YouTube. That's disgusting. Um, uh, um, the t-shirted historian had me on his channel this hmm. morning. Uh, he has a, um, uh, a playlist on his channel called Dis- uh, dungeons and discussions. Ooh. And I was on with him and uh, uh, Grim. Um, those who here who know who Grimm is and He's the other great. fellow, I forgot to write down and now I can't remember at all. And whoever that is, if you ever watch this particular episode, I am so sorry, but I do have a um, link in the show notes for that video. I will try to figure out who that is and have him linked as well. Joe is old also, so forgive him. Yes. He's not, he's not young. He's not young like me. You yeah. Know. All this gray here, it goes inside as well. It interferes with the functioning of my neurons. Oh, maybe this will jar your memory. And Shad. Greg, thank you, Shad. Yeah, Shad's our Greg. I don't, I don't know Greg's whole thing, but Grim yeah, Jim and Greg. How did it go? Was it a good experience? Yeah, it was good. Um, Grim and I had some words to exchange about freedom and government on on YouTube on um on uh, Twitter because that's the perfect place to talk about those things. Absolutely. And. Uh, we're not on the same page in, in that respect, but as far as gaming goes, we're pretty pretty much there. Yeah, I'm not, I've only watched a few things with Graham. He seems pretty good on the gaming. Yeah, but I guess he, he's against freedom, basically. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That could be a way you would put it ungenerously. <laughs> I'm joking, dude. If you're watching yeah, this, yeah. I don't even know you, man. So it's cool. Right, right. It's fun to debate. We like to jab, baby. Did you already put these up that you starred? Some of them, yeah. It's cool. Say versus Nut Punch, Bruce. I like that. That is a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, my dog. I wish I could get him to stand up here so you could see him, but um, he's a cute dog. Him on his two feet and bounce around for us like a good little. No, he won't. Brago was here. He would whine for you. 
He's down here sitting next to me because he loves he loves me. Which one you got, Mars? Sparky. Uh, yeah, I'd say Mars couldn't stand up on his back two feet. No. <laughs> but he fits he fits perfectly for biggest geekers. He is big. Yes, he's big. <laughs> yeah. All right. So with all of that out of the way. Yep. Let's move on to the main topic. Main topic. Yeah, this is a good idea. We're going to go silent on the comments, or at least we're going to try not to say much, even though you guys say a lot of cool crap. Um, I'm going to hide them so I don't see them because you guys are too funny. Um, now we're going to dive into the mechanics. So this is kind of a first foray. This, um, this part, Joe, my idea was a little bit of the overview for the classes and the races, and then I kind of give a rough outline we can probably do that pretty quickly how the character was generated um i generate a barbarian at third level and go through some of his some of his ex what he might do for different things these mechanics in here i don't know if I've, I've noticed i've broken it into the familiar for the first part and then the sort of familiar kind of newish mechanics and mm -hmm. then the really indie sort of different sort of things because 13th right. definitely indie yeah the overlap parts we can probably get through pretty quick because of um our likely audience is very familiar with how D20 works. And yeah, it's a this D20. This is where it's very familiar. Yeah, D20 and 3E and 4E elements with new applications of many of those 4E ideas and 3E. Yeah. All right, let me uh, let me go ahead and try to share again. Uh, la, 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 la. While you're messing with that, I'll start talking about the classes because all of the classes in the core book are familiar because they all are D&D classes and they all function fairly similar to D&D um, &D classes, fighter, uh, wizard, ranger, rogue. They all, they all have their uh, resemblance, but they, in um, application, they're somewhat different. How, how you get to that point is different from how you get to that point in D&D. &D. Um, so, Right. So I think I got the share screen going here. Yes, you do. And um, as you said, the barbarian and the pal. Now, I would say this. Uh, they talk a little bit about it in here. Um, uh, Joe, did you say they all play? They all play pretty much similarly in the sense that they're fairly balanced. But when you get into each character, they're very different. Uh, the barbarian, the ranger and the paladin are all three pretty easy characters to dive into. They don't have a lot of little fiddly bits. They get powers, they work, and they do them. Um, the fighter is not simple in this game. Um, I don't think he is. I think he's not simple, but he's not horribly no complicated. You would say back in old school D and D, if someone was brand new, what would you hand them? Be the fighter, obviously. Fighter. Yes. Maybe maybe a thief, but you would a fighter would be their first option. Right. I would say he's middle of the road of difficulty. Um, he has what they call flexible attacks, which I think are actually one of the coolest elements of the fighter. I wanted to talk about that if we get a chance. Uh, the cleric is probably the easiest of the spellcasters. Um, and then you have the sorcerer. Uh, I don't know why they have the rogue ranked a little. They kind of have them in order here. If you look at the page, they have mm -hmm. them ranked in the order of kind of difficulty. And I would question the rogue, but the rogue does have something called momentum. That can make it a little funky. A little bit funky. You do have to watch your dice rolls and when you hit and when you don't. Uh, I'm going to be right back. I'll be right back. Yeah. The Bard, which is uh, Joseph's favorite, is pretty complicated. He has both battle cries that work like the fighter flexible attacks. He has spells, and then he has songs, which are spell effects that last for many turns as long as he makes a check every round or every couple of rounds, depending on the song. And then, of course, the wizard uh, can allow for a lot of improvisation. Um, 
they do, and, and he can, and he has his spell lists, and that'll take a little bit of discussion at the end. Um, I have found that when we play, and it might be better if Joe was here to say this, we haven't seen a lot of people play the rogue class, but I will say that all these classes play pretty differently. If you're looking at the screen here, Barbarian to Wizard, but um, for some reason, the rogue is not popular. I have played one, really loved it. I've had two other people play one for one session, um, and I think it's just got a different sort of feel to it. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe the others are flashier, but the rogue can do some pretty cool stuff. Um, I think you'll find, as we said before, the characters are definitely tougher. They definitely jump out at you and can do some cool stuff right from the get-go. Um, if we talk about the fighter, for example, I'm going to kind of explain this. Uh, the fighter has something called flexible attacks. And the way this works, think of power attack in third edition. So in power in third edition, you would choose a number of points to take away from your attack roll, and then that would add so many points to your damage. The idea being you're not as accurate, and then you get to do extra damage because you're taking a bigger chance that you won't actually hit. Well, in 13th Age, which that became a problem. It wasn't a problem, but some folks, if you're high enough level, the fighter didn't matter what he subtracted up to like five or 10. He could get massive amounts of damage. He can get kind of broken or it could be like if I subtract it too early, it's kind of useless. Well, the power attack in this game is might say if you roll rather than might say, let me go ahead and switch to the um, I want to find the fighter exactly here. Joseph is back. I made a comment how a lot of us, how the rogue has not been played a lot in our games. No. It's kind of interesting. Um, strange, well, but interesting. I think in the game, uh, character, player roles, character roles are not strict. As in, you don't have them, I don't think. Right. Because uh, you were saying earlier about the bard, I, my character liking me liking them. Yeah. yeah. The bard can serve as the party's fighter. He can very easily. Can also pl uh, serve as the party's uh, m uh, magic person, not yes. necessarily wizard, but wizard-ish or cleric-ish, something like that, and can serve as kind of roguish. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get to that in particular, but like I was talking about the fighter and his flexible attacks. So mm -hmm. if you look down there on power attack, once per battle before you roll an attack, you can declare you're using power attack to deal additional damage with that attack. If the attack hits, you do the following additional damage. Um, oh, that's not a flexible attack. I chose the wrong one. No, no, no. Let me find a flexible attack. There you go. Defensive. Go back up. Ah. Defensive fighting is, oh, you're going too far, dude. Where are you going? I'm going too far. You're, you're looking at stuff and I'm not saying it. Defensive okay. fighting. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Got it. <clears throat> flexible attack. So what happens? You have a triggering role. It's flexible in the sense that it doesn't necessarily always happen. So if you don't you don't announce I'm doing defensive fighting, you have on your sheet maybe defensive fighting, grim intent, and heavy blows. And so when you roll, if you roll a natural 16 or higher, if you fight with a shield, you may and also roll a natural even roll. Gain plus two to AC until the end of your turn. So in other words, um, if you roll that 16 or higher you get that automatically if you want to choose it. Or if you missed, say it would be crazy if you rolled a 16 and missed, but if you check Grim Intent, if you rolled natural even miss, then it says the next time you would deal miss, miss damage, add a weapon die to the damage. We'll talk right. about that a little bit later. Right, so I want to back up just a little bit. Sure. So under defensive fighting, your yeah. triggering roll 
is any natural 16 or higher. Right. And then there's a semicolon. Ah. Or when you're fighting with a shield, any natural even roll. Right. So either one works. Um, it's very generous when you're um, fighting right. with a shield to do defensive fighting. But my point is, it's just a choice. Yes. Right? So, like, you could have, notice, grim intent and heavy blows are both natural even misses. So when you roll a natural, like a roll four and the mm-hmm, die and you mm-hmm, miss, mm-hmm. you can pick which one of those you want to do. Yeah. Um, the fighter player has to pay attention to the dice rolls. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. So basically, you're, you're uh, I think, with um, a couple of exceptions, like with power attack, mm-hmm. you wait until you roll your die, you figure out what you're going to do, and then you describe what you do. Right. So it's uh has it's heavily this is one of the elements of thirteenth age that is heavily in the favor of players yep. and player agency. So Heathen Dog of Legion of Myth would hate this game. <laughs> really? Because there's too much control for the players? There's any. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good for him. Practically. I respect that. Yeah. Um and so someone like uh, the um the rogue, right? He doesn't get his quote unquote sneak attack unless he has momentum. How does he gain momentum by hitting someone? And as soon as he gets hit or if he misses an attack, he loses momentum. Mm-hmm. So there's some of his powers can't come into play unless he has momentum. He has some really cool ones. One where he can literally teleport across the battlefield. So again, remember this is a very high magical setting. Cool characters are cool, you know, and if you don't like the idea, like, and that's kind of a 4E thing. I remember when I read, was it the Eladrin? Were those fancy elves that can teleport once per battle? And I thought that was so dumb. And this is where Aaron the Pedantic would probably be blasting me because I kind of liked it here. But I think a lot of it's because it wasn't D&D. It didn't right, right. Be D&D. This, it has a D&D feel, but that's about it. Yeah, this is not Dungeons & Dragons, so you can whine about it not having the OSR feel or whatever. But it's not D&D. But they did call it their love letter to D and D, which is a little weird. But that's a little what they call weird. It. But I kind of get it. It's their, it's their kind of their thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I want to. Did you want to specify any of? You want to talk about more specifically the bard, or do you want to? No, no, no. We don't need to get too deep into that. Yeah, but, I, didn't, I didn't think so. The overview is really what we're we're looking. Yeah, and those classes. For, are we're we're going deep in certain respects, but we can't dwell on any particular class that long. No. Um, except to, we're pointing out that fighters use armor and weapons, and they don't have spells. Right. That works out here, too, but they do have um, abilities that you could consider magical, I guess. Right. Uh, but they're all combat abilities. All right. So um, so moving to races, you think, or do you want to talk more about the classes? I feel like we've hit a lot of things. Um, I thought more about the, how, how they do. Well, I was going to get to the actual stat generation soon, but I wanted to highlight oh, races in class. Did you talk about balance at all? Not much. Go, go, go. Okay. For it. So basically, the how these classes are put together, for uh, better or worse, more or less, they've really t- taken a very keen look at balance. Yep. So every class at every level is supposed to be balanced against each other. It, there's no. Uh, investment for the future where the, the wizard is kind of weak early on and really strong later on. Yeah, That's not what the feeling that they uh, wanted for this game. And they uh, pretty much delivered on balance, I think, which I think is so actually something I don't like. 
I'm not sure. I'm, I would say if someone said, here's a game that's well-balanced, or every class is well-balanced, it's really hard for me to envision on the surface level a fighter being equal to a wizard at 17th level. It's just hard to imagine. A powerful caster and a powerful fighter, I think there could be, it would make sense to have huge gaps between their power level. Having said that, I think the way they implemented it, it's not like, I don't think, I think those that get tired of the third edition era where they would say, or even second or first, the fighter just hits things. He just hits things. So boring in combat. I don't think you'll feel that in 13th age because your fighter will be doing some pretty cool crap and you can't, you have to watch yourself and you have to, and later on at higher levels, you got to watch the other characters because you can do moves like intercepting and stuff to save the fight, to save the wizard. Higher level fighters can do that to save the weak characters, even when they're engaged at high level, they can just leave an opponent for free and protect them. So, you know, I, I think the balance part comes from, look at these cool things I can do. And every class has cool things they can do. Right. And I don't think you're ever going to, I can't imagine someone going, man, I feel like my eighth level uh, dwarven fighter really sucks compared to Joe's half elf eighth level wizard. Nah, no, not you, don't really. do, you don't have that. No, I can't do I mean, I can't affect area of effect like you can. Right. Dude, nobody's going to have defenses like a paladin. Right. He's just like, good luck hitting a paladin at high level. Just pretty right. much forget about it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shall we move on to races or not? Yes, let's go. Again, major overview. We're going to get into some details with an example. Um, so each class has – here's the humans as an example. The main classes, of course, are the ones you would expect. Um, uh, dwarf, human, elf. They have three types of elves, high elf, wood elf, and drow. The drow are not necessarily forgotten realms or greyhawk drow, but they are dark do they elf. Just call them, yeah, they just call them – do they call them drow or dark elf? They do call them drow, yeah. Okay. And then ranger, uh, paladin, rogue, uh, fighters – oh, blah. Wood Elf. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm, ooh, here we go. Gnome, Halfling, and Half-Orc. So the standard. Yes, uh, all the standard stuff. And for the, and they, they talk a lot about in the setting, giving you lots of options. Half-Orcs, I think they do breed true in the Dragon Empire. So two Half-Orcs have a Half-Orc baby. They have a bit of a mysterious background. One option is that they were created on purpose. And a lot of them were made by the emperor way back when, or his wizard king, or whoever. And now they breed as a true race, so you don't have to worry about that pesky orc rape if that bothers you. I mean, uh, you know, orc raping human sort of stuff. But I mean, that's that's up to you. Right. They do have, right. They do have optional races: uh, the Azamar, which is they call the Holy One generically, the Dragonborn, or Dragonic. I hate that word, Dragonic. It sounds weird. Forgeborn. About that. Yeah, the forge born in this setting are the war forge, basically, and then tieflings are demon touched or demon touched. That's the different names that they use. Right. Um, so if you look at the humans here that I have on, on the screen, you'll see they get plus two to any one ability. So when we generate stats, every class except humans, every race except humans has an option of plus two to one of two abilities. So let's go to the dwarf plus two to con or plus two to wisdom. You pick one of those. And when you take your class, your class will give you a plus two to one stat or the other. Mm -hmm. So if you're playing a fighter, you get plus two to strength or con. If you play a dwarf fighter, you have to decide if you pick plus two to con for your class bonus, you can't pick plus two to con for your racial bonus. They don't let you double dip. They kind of control, that's part of the mathematics, the control of the mathematics is they don't let you double dip at all. It's really hard to cheese ability scores 
into cheese defenses, uh, which has the drawback that the defenses don't vary massively over the level. No. So. Right. Um, but and I think that they still, unless I'm, there's something I'm forgetting. Mm-hmm. Um, the gnome. Yes. You go to him. The gnome does not, there's no such thing as small weapons. Right. And a gnome could um, pick fighter. You could be a gnome fighter and um, be as beefy as a human. Be fighter. as beefy as a human fighter. Could does be. the dwarf? Does the dwarf being as beefy as a human fighter bother you? No. No, because no. he's kind of sturdy. I agree. But yeah. the gnome or the halfling, you could literally be. Now, if you look, being a gnomish fighter is not great because look at his choices for modifiers. Correct. Plus two to dex or plus two to int. So you could say mathematically, he will probably fall behind the fighter, though you can do an archer path that's not so bad. So probably not. I would think maybe. Um, but with, with, uh, with the class fighter, you could put one in strength and one in dex. Yeah, which will be pretty sweet. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. I mean, not you bad. might fall behind a little bit on hit points. But you'd be good in you know, both ranged and melee. Pretty right. good. Um, and when we get to the escalation die, that won't matter much to the end anyway. Right. right. And as you see, every, um, every race gets a racial power. Looks like the gnomes get two. Uh, theirs is called confounding. Once per battle, when you roll a natural 16 plus with an attack, you can also daze the target. That's one of the conditions that's in the game. I'll talk about those maybe the next time. And then there's a feat where you can enhance that power. We'll talk about feats and stuff. Yeah. Let's look at one more. Let them see if right. Oh, here's the one that's really good. Haha. <laughs> here's the one that made me nervous that doesn't affect the battle as much as you think. High elves plus two to int or plus two to charisma. They make good. They make good wizards. They make really good bards and really good sorcerers. Their ability, racial power, is high blood teleport. Once per battle, as a move action, place yourself in a nearby location you can see. That's sweet, but nearby is not always that great. And no, that it doesn't get you out of danger. No, something can get to you in one move. So I mean, not uh, combat related. I mean, if they're right. right there, they got a sword, and you move somewhere nearby, they're still going to be able to attack you. Mm -hmm. It could... Uh, it could work out good for you if there's something like the floors dropping out from under your feet or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I, I really think the the class plus two to one or two stats. Like I think does the wizard class give plus two to int or plus two to wisdom maybe? Something like that. Something like that. I can't remember. But you can't double dip. So you could not, like I said before, if you were playing a, a high elf wizard, you couldn't take plus two because of your class and plus two because of your high elf. If you took plus two because of your class to your intelligence as a wizard, then when you pick the high elf race, you will have to pick plus two to charisma. They right. don't let you double dip. They don't let you min max to a very high degree at all, mm -hmm. which is I like that. It keeps the cheese ball down. And I think the powers and abilities and the way the game plays – I haven't had too many players complain about that. So. Right. What it, what you do end up with is a bit of a homo, 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 homogenous uh, group of people. So you're all people. Yeah. You vary a little bit in your looks, but your race tends and you, each race has a small ability. They're not they're not big. They're not extensive. You don't have an elf with a a, a list of abilities as long as your arm, like in previous editions. So the races are much more homogenous than in some other games or versions of D&D. &D. 
maybe not fifth edition, but definitely, definitely third and and and, and before, definitely second and before. Third yeah. erased a lot of that uh, distinction as well. Yeah. So you ready to move on to stats? Yes. Okay, so we got the races and the classes overviewed. Uh, the stats are generated the way you would think. Um, pretty standard. 3 to 18 is the stat. Uh, strength, dex, con, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, the big six. Mm-hmm. You can choose from several methods. They say 4d6, drop the lowest, 28-point build. They have lots of stat arrays in the back of the book, which I like to use, because really, what's the point? They basically have them all. They don't have them all. There's a there's a website with extend, extended stat arrays where you can just choose one of the stat arrays. I, I encourage a lot of players to do that. You could... You know, you could play the little 28-point build game. You know, right here they show you if you want an 18, it costs you 16 of your 28. That's almost never the right choice, wouldn't you say, Joe? Yeah, yeah, because you can't. I I like well-rounded, so I'll 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 do more between the 12 and 14 range and have one around a couple around 16. And then you're going to get your bonuses from your your class and your race. And then, um, as we'll see, you get level-based bonuses to your stats as well. Yeah, so, yeah. And I think that's a good... Uh, that's you a good can point. start with a 20. Yeah. I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can. It's possible. But you can't buy it with your points. You have to get your an 18 and get a plus two. And uh, Which is very possible. Yeah. You just... You're, you're, you're going to probably... It's not going to be as beneficial, I think, in the long run. No, if you're going for that 20, which would be a, and it's the same modifier. So if you have a 20 strength, it's plus five to hit and damage, which sounds phenomenal. But uh, some of your defenses are going to struggle. And if you're playing a warrior, boy, you are going to get pounded on your mental defense. I mean, you're going to be a a liability. If you're fighting something that has mental attacks, and there are plenty of things that do, Mm. you'll be sucking hard at times. So, yeah, you got to be careful. Uh, I think a broad array is a good idea. So, um, I have an example character. I started, started, I thought I would build to explain this. Again, I'm a fan of stat arrays. I'm building Krunk the Barbarian. Okay. Krunk is going to be a third level barbarian, but at this point, it doesn't matter. He doesn't gain any stat bumps. I use the stat array of 17, 14, 14, 10, 9, 8. I take those six numbers, I arrange them where I want. As a barbarian, I could choose plus two to strength or con, and being a human, plus two to any one ability. So surprise, surprise, I do plus two strength, plus two con, and my stats end up being a strength of 19, which is plus four to hit and damage. Krunk's pretty pretty strong. His dex is 14, plus two to his defense, some of his defenses. i got to be careful. That's not exactly true. We'll talk about how the defenses work. Con 16, I get bonus hit points, kind of good. Intelligence 8, wisdom 10, charisma 9. Krunk's going to be taking it on the mental defense, right on the chin. Um, And you probably could make a quote-unquote maybe a better barbarian than Krunk, but I'm not sure how much better you can make one. You know. Yeah, the the mental stats are only going to be marginally better if you Hmm. lower them, lower those significantly. And if you're going to play a barbarian, the way the game plays, you got to get used and get used to disappointment. You're taking damage, just accept it. But that's your job, dude. Soak it up. Soak it up, son. Yeah. So generating the abilities. And uh, I thought you could probably do 3D6 straight down the line if you want. Well, straight down the line would be tough because they do talk about, you know, even in this game, you kind of choose your uh, class first. 
because you want to know what you want to be. I don't think 3D6 straight the li- straight down the line would be great, but I do think 3D6 place them where you want them would work pretty pretty well. Well, the other thing you could say is 3D6 straight down the line will, could alleviate some of the uh, player favoring issue uh, uh, aspects of the game. So if you you um, purposefully do the 3D6 straight down and then say, well, with these, I can I can do this and choose the class. It'll all still kind of work, even the race. You can, you can do your stats first and then race in class. And oh, then, that could and be then, a, cabin, a cabin con game. Roll your character yeah. at the table. Yeah, and then see what you have and see yeah. how it works out. And then go from there. It might make the game a bit more challenging and could all by itself make it a tiny bit more osr but yeah not terribly yeah don't be yeah, don't be confused this is not osr this is definitely joe and i you know flexing our non-osr muscles a little bit but again i still love the game as i told joe off air i was like we started talking about 13 days last time made me want made me wanted to pl- want to play it i mean it's a it's a in your face uh balls to the wall we're going on big time adventures we're fighting awesome stuff and we're awesome so right. that can be really fun for a while um hit points so it's based on your class uh and your con modifier so don't forget crunk has a big old 16 so he has the plus three con modifier he is level three sorry that highlighted a lot of crap he is level three this is how many hit points he would have at level three seven plus his con so seven plus three is ten times three and that would be a grand total of uh, no, times five. Times five. That'd be a grand total of 50 hit points. That's so, a holy hand grenade reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would have 50 hit points at third level. And you say, that sounds like a lot. And it is. But trust me, there's plenty of monsters can knock him down to single digits in one round. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 50 it sounds like a lot, but it's not. Even a, an appropriately challenged monster <laughs> probably could. Which this game is interesting because appropriate challenges... They, they even say, this is a fair battle. Uh, we don't suggest you make battles fair. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, okay, they got CR, but then they're kind of like saying, eh, mostly ignore it. <laughs> what what uh, level encounter is an Umber Hulk? Do you remember? Oh, I do not. I want to say he's about a, he's a challenge rating. Pro, he's probably, and they go by level. He's mm-hmm. about a level five challenge. So he would be relatively tough. Uh, for this guy. Let me, give me a moment. I remember, uh, well, one thing they can do, a number Hulk, if it crits, it rips, rips off your arm. Oh, you're thinking Owlbear. That's an Owlbear. So, yeah, so an Owlbear, Owlbear is a fourth level wrecker. I'll talk more about that when we do the So Owlbear, we'll go with that because that's what I really what I was yeah, thinking. He could crit. He rips, it rips off your arm. Yeah, Actually rips off your arm. Congratulations, you took 40 damage and you don't have an arm now. At 40. Will they do 20 on a strike? Uh, I didn't look. I was making crap up. Because uh, they might. Yeah, an owlbear actually does, if he, only 15 damage. Um, but if he makes that crit, not only does he rip your arm off, it's the the move. The attack is called feed the cubs. They run mm-hmm. off. They run off with your arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't just have it ripped off. It's no. lost. So you know, fun stuff in, in the in the monster build. We'll get to that, but yeah. So Krunk's rolling with fifty hit points. You know, the dude's not lacking on the HP meter, and uh, he's going to do uh, quite okay. All right. 
Shall we go to defenses? Or do you want to talk more about yes. hit points and stats? Yeah, hit points, hit points are hit points. They work the same way in this game as others. So. Though you will take damage in chunks, at least from the from the monster. Yeah. I'll talk yeah. about later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I'd be able to scroll real quickly to this, but I'm being kind of dumb. We're going so, to combat? We're going well, we're gonna to go to talk about defenses first. Defenses, right. Well, yeah, yeah. So prelude to combat. Defenses. Yeah. Leaving up to combat. Um your defenses, if I can find them, they said they're on this page. Apparently I'm lying. Here it is. Um, you have three types. You have your armor class, you have your physical defense, and you have your mental defense. So it's kind of like 4E. Uh, you don't make a you know a saving throw against Dragon Breath. You don't make a save versus spells. Creatures literally attack you, so a wizard has a attack with their fireball, a roll that they make. And if they hit your physical defense, you take damage. Now, what makes them pretty well balanced is when that wizard attacks you with that fireball, just as a comment, he uses his intelligence to modify that attack roll and his level. So you're probably getting hit by the fireball. Right. <laughs> Maybe right. not, probably. So AC describes how tough and quick you are. And... Physical defense is how, and then these are, notice some words are mixed, how strong, tough, and agile. And then mental defense, how smart, insightful, and sort of forceful of will you are. What's fascinating is how you generate that modifier. So for your defenses, you would take your base armor class, if you're wearing a certain sort of armor. We'll get back to Crunk in a second. And then you would add, for, for AC, you would add your, you would take your constitution modifier, your dex modifier and your wisdom modifier. So for Crunk, um, it would be con is plus three, his dex is plus two, and his wisdom is plus zero. And I think of them in that order, descending order, and I pick the middle the middle value. So that means you don't get to add just dexterity every time, though I did. Someone else who had a you know say they had a dexterity of plus three and their con was plus one and their um, wisdom was plus zero. They would only get plus one. You take the middle value. This all also controls the mathematics and the cheesiness. You can't cheese a stat. If you bust your dexterity up super high thinking, man, I'm going to have a mad armor class. You're not. Because if it's the highest stat, you don't get to use it. They're saying your armor class is modified by the average of those three, sort of the average, the middle of those three. Right. right. And all these defenses use all six of your stats in some combination, three, three of, of the three six. Of the six. Yeah. And so you can't say, well, if I choose these three stats, these three stats, I'm, I'm golden. You can't, you really can't. It's impossible. Yeah. AC is middle of Condex wisdom. PD, which is against Dragon Breath and other sort of poison and stuff, is Strength Condex, and Mental Defense is what you think it is, Intelligence, Wisdom, and Charisma. So as you can guess, Krunk's going to have a poopy Mental Defense. Mm -hmm. Right? So Krunk's, Krunk's wearing some hides and hide-type armor and rolling in with his sweet stats. Um, his AC is 12 base because of the armor he's wearing in his class. And he gets plus two because Dex is the middle of those three scores and plus three for his level for a grand total of 15. So you get to add your level two. His PD is 11 base. Con is the middle of the three because my strength is plus five, con plus three, and Dex plus two. That's my really my best defense. And I add that plus three, I get a total of 17. So 11 plus three from con plus three from level is 17. And then his mental defense, <laughs> this is the sweet one, 
is wisdom, charisma, int in that order. The middle being minus one. I have a plus zero, minus one, minus one. Therefore, the middle one is minus one. I get 10 as a base, minus one for charisma, plus three for level for a total of 12. So when mental attacks come out, everybody in the party goes, oh, crap, crunk is screwed. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. So not, I think that's, honestly, I think that's awesome. I mean, I, I would like, I, I would love to be able to implement some version of that uh, in our next iteration of Mudsword, if we're heading down that direction at Multi-stat dependency. Yeah, multi um, That's exactly it. Yeah. And uh, the only way to cheese this is to make all your stats or most of your stats the same. Yeah. And if you roll, that, if that you might roll, be okay, might not, depends on how your character works out. Yeah, if you somehow rolled 3d6 and um, managed to get all 18s, okay, you're going to be the boss on your stats. But to be honest, my mental defense will still not be fabulous, but if I had plus four, it'd be pretty good at 17 for third level. That'd be yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. So on to combat. Let's see here. So I'm going to talk about a few things here. There's a type. There's types of actions. Um, I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to go to the pages here unless Joe wants to. Mm-hmm. Did you want to say anything more about the interdependence of stats and defenses? No, I think we we hit it good. Okay. And just to be clear, so if hit someone it well. Cast, hit it well and good. <laughs> if someone cast a fireball at you, the wizard that did it would use his attack <laughs> bonus. Uh, with a fireball, and he would roll against your physical defense. If a mind flare was trying to sonic blast you, even though that's technically um, mind flare is IP or right for wizards, but whatever, they would attack your mental defense, and a warrior trying to cut your head off would attack your AC. Um, it's often said in the attack roll. So, three types of actions, generally speaking. Uh, sorry, four. Free action, which they describe what that is, like chatting and yelling across the room, putting something in your pocket. Um, standard action, which is usually some sort of attack, a move action, which is exactly that you move, and then a quick action, which some characters can get some pretty cool quick actions. Some wizards and casters have quick action spells, so yes, that means they can cast two spells in a round, pretty boss. Um, and uh, that's basically it as far as the actions you can do. Yeah. Initiative is d20 plus dex plus level. Very uh, familiar cyclical like third edition so just start counting down and roll through the numbers uh crunk himself would have plus two from dex for initiative plus three for level so i'm rolling at a plus five initiative not terribly awesome but palatable yeah you roll once and you stay that for the rest of the combat yeah movement that for standard and just like every other game like this you can do something different if you want but this is what the standard is the base yeah yeah, this is a standard initiative um movement um is sort of like a range band games you have nearby you have engaged nearby uh and far away uh something else i forgot one engaged nearby uh and far away yeah so engaged is based when your figures are based when you're next to someone nearby is the one that starts to get really loosey-goosey because they don't like to define that terribly well um let's see if i can find i don't i don't think you necessarily have to be strictly beholden to base touching Mm -hmm. on a grid to be considered engaged that could be something that can be decided in theater of the mind or just you have your 
figures on a battle mat that doesn't necessarily have to have a grid. You don't have to be very strict. It's just, are you attacking each other? If you are, then you are engaged. You don't have to worry yeah. about. Yeah. And I think this game is where it gets kind of indie or not indie, but kind of old school too. It, I think it's really encourages. You could easily play theater of the mind with this game. Yeah. Very easy. Cause they talk about nearby means you can move and reach someone to attack them. If they're far away, it essentially takes both your move actions, which yes, if you do a move, it takes up a standard. So, um, I think it's pretty simple that way. Yeah. One really cool thing that I like, and I remember having trouble with this back in the early days of D&D when we played, is the idea of intercepting. Remember, even you would say sometimes, you know, Joe's wizard be sitting in the back feeling extra safe, and I go first, so one of my orcs just speeds past the fighter and attacks the wizard. And they'd be like, oh, yeah. wouldn't I be in his way? The fighter, wouldn't I be in his way? I was like, no, I can move, right? There's no rule says I can't move. Yep. And um. But now they have an intercept move, which means if you're not engaged with another character, let's say an orc tries to go first and get gets past, try to get past Crunk to, you know, get to Joe's little soft wizard, who may not be soft, actually, thinks he's also going to bust him a good one. And then Crunk doesn't get to go first, but he's not engaged. Even if it's not my turn, I can use my move action to go, yeah, I'm intercepting that orc. And so right. I step right in the way. Now I lose my move action. I don't get to attack yet, but I will be attacking that orc next time, and he will be dying. Yes. So. Um, or at least wishing he was dead. Oh, he's gonna wish he was dead. Yeah. So I, I, I do think I like that element. There's other, some other little details if you want to use them. Like for example, they talk about special initiative actions like delaying and readying. You can use that or not. I think this game runs really well without adding any more complications to it in, in general. Any comments you wanted to have on movement? It didn't take us a long time to get the hang of that. No, no, it's it's actually very easy to 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 get used to. Um, you know, it depends on how um, how into D and D you are. You might just not you might not grok it, but I don't see I don't see anybody not we everybody we've ever brought into Thirteenth Age. They were like, oh yeah, this this works out pretty good. One, yeah. one or two one or two rounds or one or two combat sessions and. We're, we're good. And I think the indie element comes in when, when you can, and I, and I take advantage of this a lot. I don't necessarily consider far away, always distance, depending on the terrain. One time you guys were fighting. Um, I think you were fighting in a theater and there was a raised uh, stage and there was some fighting happening around the seats. And I said, okay, any of the fighting down in the seats and on the quote unquote ground would be nearby. If you want to go up that, four foot ledge or five foot, hmm. five foot ledge that was a far a far away move and while it's not technically far away it played well to where like you know you shouldn't just be able to run up to there hop up there then attack somebody on one round it seems like it would take more effort right so i thought it really um added to the excitement of the game where i said that was far away and people are like oh crap if i want to get on the stage they need to do it. And somebody, some, one of the elves, someone was playing a high blood elf and they just teleported up there, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. They were nearby. So that was, that was kind of neat. Um, yeah. So uh, I think that's all I want to say about movement. Yeah. And so. then um, kind of a high overview. We can go into this more if you want to. Every class has their own melee attack and range attack or spell attack abilities. It's usually, um, if it's melee, it's strength plus level. 
and it's versus armor class. If it's a range attack, it's dex plus level versus armor class. And if it's a spell attack, it's usually either intelligence, wisdom, or charisma, depending on your caster type, the modifier mm-hmm. plus level versus one of the three defenses. That varies more than, than most fighting people. They're almost always attacking a, a armor class, though some have some cool moves to attack physical defenses. Right. Um, yeah, and critical hits are in the game, and they are two times the total damage, which they are. Don't you think critical hits are pretty much devastating in this game? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Especially yeah. from the monsters. I think it's even worse. Yeah, it because, can be really bad. There are some monsters that, I mean, if they get a crit on their big attack, it's over. Yeah, because it's yeah. set damage. It's yeah. not a roll. So you sometimes when you crit and you roll, uh, it's kind of underwhelming. But monsters, almost never underwhelming. Huh? Most of the time, it's overwhelming, I would say. Almost always, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, so for Kronk, let's say, he starts at level three. I have a little stat here. He's wielding a two-handed great axe, mundane, uh, strength of 19 plus five, short bow with dexterity of 14 plus two. So my melee attack is three for level, five for... Uh, strength for a total of plus eight when I attack someone with my great axe. Three for level, two for dexterity, plus five versus AC. Now, what's really interesting is that your damage increases, even with a normal weapon, your damage, and generally speaking, is based upon your level if you're a meleeist. So right. I hit with a great axe doing D10 damage, right? From levels one to four, it actually increases. So for Krunk, it's normally D10 plus 5, but since I'm third level, it's 3D10 plus 5. Same right. with bow, 3D6 plus 2. And at what they call champion tier, when you hop from level 4 to level 5, uh, it becomes, say I'm seventh level, it'll be 7D10, not plus 5, but plus 10. So you double your modifier. Right. Um, one quick question. Sure. Uh, combat rounds are the same as in... Uh, third edition or fourth or fifth or six seconds. Yeah, six, six seconds. second rounds. I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. Had a question. Yeah, yeah. Had a question that relates. Yeah, yeah. Considered, a, I think there's six seconds. Yeah. So, um, in level eight, the epic tier is more the same. Eight D ten. I'm eighth level. Eight D ten and plus triple your modifier. So, lower level tier is called adventurer tier. One to four. It's the level you are times the dice plus the modifier. Mm-hmm. At the champion tier between five to seven, it's a level you are times the dice plus double your modifier. And then, of course, at an epic tier, eight or higher, it's level times dice times triple your modifier. So a 10th level with a mundane axe, Crunk will be doing 10d10 plus 15 if nothing changes on his stat block, which it would. Right. And that's some some classes. Maybe most get yeah, that, most. M- that multiplier on their bonus damage, mm-hmm. but not all especially ca- ca- uh, classes that aren't combat related, like a wizard. They yeah. just get straight damage. Yeah. Um, fighters also um, do their level on miss yep. with uh, melee attacks. Uh, rangers do that on, on both. I don't know if it's both ranged and melee, but definitely ranged Yeah. because fighters don't get that. We should and talk about miss damage a little bit. Yeah, and, fight, and um, wizards don't get miss damage. Yeah. And so they just they- miss. They just miss. Uh, though they have some spells that do partial damage. Yeah. Um, in this game, they're, they're, 
the intention of the game is um, characters are super badasses, and when they make attacks, they're doing something that matters. So even when you quote-unquote miss, you still do damage. And hit points are not meant to be, you know, they're pretty abstracted. They're not just physical, my body hit points. It's, you know, how stamina, force of will, all that stuff is kind of the idea, I think. Yeah, they're abstract, just like every D20. Very, very abstracted. And so when you miss, a lot of characters do miss damage. The wizard doesn't. Um, I'm not sure he really misses that because, honestly, wizards do some really cool stuff. So maybe. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a big deal for them. I think it but would matter, it, uh, matter. Part of it, part of it, I think, is moving the story forward kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah, the, you know. they, we have a, a concept within, within 13th Age that's an indie concept of failing forward. Oh, we're going to get to that. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. It's not my favorite. Um, yeah. But the idea is, you know, think about this, you know, in, in second edition D and D you're in third level, you run into four goblins and let's say the wizard doesn't want to waste his magic missile or sleep on four stupid goblins. Look two fighters and clear it, kick their butt. So the first round you drop two of them. The second round, there's two left. You make them a morale check. They're hanging around. They're brave little goblins. And it's miss, miss, miss. Third round. It's miss, miss, miss. Fourth round, it's miss, miss, miss. That can happen. That can so happen. You're sitting there like, I'm fighting these douchebags who can't touch me, but it's going to last forever. How boring. And I'm not saying it's always boring, but I'm saying this game says we don't want that because you are the big damn heroes. So here's what happens. Even when you miss, yeah, you don't really miss. You get a grazing blow. You don't knock the crap out of them. You just give them the elbow to the nose. Or you splatter their nose, and they're out of the fight. right? And the DM can decide if they're dead or not, but their hit points are down. So they do suggest that, you know, uh, monsters die at zero. Yeah, so. most of the time, unless they're important. And one thing I do like about this game, it's not quite as fiddly as, say, 5e, but 5e handles it well as um, also. Uh, combat modifiers like flanking, positioning, uh, attacking around corners, other sort of special situations. They say we don't really use them in their game, but if you want to give a modifier of minus two to plus two, they say that's fine. I don't find that to be terribly useful in this game or necessary or necessary no you don't need flanking bonuses characters rarely need bonuses to hit in this game it's usually a matter of finding out some way to overcome a resistance or not getting slaughtered the first few rounds of combat um which we'll talk about in a minute so those are what i would consider the very familiar 3e 4e types of mechanics of um yeah they're all familiar elements anything you thought i might have left out in that section no, I think actually we got a um, – I can't remember who the uh, um, the uh, Jeffrey Garrison helped us out with the length of combat rounds, which we oh. kind of glossed over. Oh, okay. Or skipped. Yes, I did. To be precise. Okay, a little bit less than familiar um, are some of these rules. When I say this, I mean they might be – I don't know if these are indie. They're new. I would call them new uh, not so much, you know, familiar. They do have the staggered condition, which is a 4E condition, but death and dying. So when you drop to zero or below, you fall unconscious and can't take any actions, but you do get to make death saves. So in this game, there's death saves. Joe's shaking his head, and I agree, it's a little annoying. Uh, you make death saves while down. And as it says here, at the start of your turn, you roll a death save on a D20. Now, this is not like 5th edition, okay? These death saves are significant. They're hard. 
Yeah, 16 <laughs> and higher. There's three types of saves. There's hard, 16 plus, and then there's uh, medium, which is 11 plus, and easy, which is 6 plus. And, this and there's is, no modifiers. It's correct. just a straight die roll. So straight it's a die roll. 16 plus. And uh, if you use a 16 plus, you get a user recovery. Think of it as a way to get hit points back. If you're 15 or less, one step toward the grade. At grave, after the fourth and final death save, you die. If you roll a natural 20, not only do you get to roll a recovery, which are some hit points we'll talk about, but you get inspired and get to um, act. act. Yes. Uh, they talk a little bit about potions and things like that, but that's the basic yeah. basic gist of death. Um, they have several conditions. I'm not going to go into all those things like hampered and st- and uh, stunned and dazed. And those do different things to you, which is very familiar. Weakened. Yeah. And there's ongoing damage, which I think was a thing. Ongoing damage, I believe, was a thing in... 3-5. Um, 3-5. Three, 3-5. Five. Three, five. even been in 3-0. I can't remember for sure. I think it was in 4-0. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking it was in 3rd edition, but it doesn't matter. I thought, I thought there were... I don't remember. Oh, yes. um, brief aside, my ISP is not at fault. Okay. Um, I did a lot of j- uh, finagling today and uh, figured it out. It was my Wi-Fi router. Mm. I'm plugged into a wired connection. Oh, but okay. The Wi-Fi router is somehow screwing things up. Oh, okay. So ongoing damage is interesting. It can be quite deadly. So on your turn, you move. You move up to attack. And then on the next turn, let's say the fire giant hits you with his flaming sword, and you take ongoing fire damage 10. So what that means, when he hits you, you take that his damage he deals plus 10 fire damage, and you're now on fire. If nothing special is done to get rid of it, on your next turn, you attack him. He takes damage, let's say. And then at the end of your turn, you make a save. Now, depending on the type of save, some ongoing damage is either easy, medium, or hard. So if it's medium, it's 11 or higher, you roll the dice. If you take 10 damage automatically, and then you roll the dice, if you fail, the next round, you're taking 10 damage again. And if he hits you, you're taking the damage he lays upon you. They do have some special rules, like if you get hit again, can ongoing damage stack? I don't usually do that, but, you know, hey, whatever you want. They do say it's an advantage to make it sort of stack, and then the players make one save and it's all gone. But long story short... Um, you're going to take damage from that ongoing damage twice. That's guaranteed. When you first get hit, and then before the end of your next turn, unless you have some ability or someone else has an ability to give you an extra save or to remove that ongoing damage. Yeah, and there's a couple of um, edge case items or abilities that let you make the save before you take the damage. Yes. But, but, but it's, it's not that, common. It's yeah, not common. Barring that, you're, you're taking that thing until you make your save. Yeah. I've not seen... Too many hard save ongoing damage, but as you can imagine, that would be the suck. Oh, yeah. And it's, five or ten points. It's annoying. <laughs> oh, and sometimes it can be downright deadly. Oh, yeah. We've had that happen. And uh, I know, <laughs> remember when Dave hit my monster, he did some cool min-maxing. And last year at Cabin Con, I had a monster that was taking 37 ongoing damage. That was crazy. And I didn't like it because my monster died. Made me Yeah, bad. yeah. It, it you didn't were, last long. Joe was crying for me. Yes, I was. But uh, as I said, save, saving throws are pretty, you know, like I said, easy, normal, and hard. There you go. Uh, rarely do you get modifiers. I think I can think of one magic item that gives you a constant modifier of plus one to saving throws, and that is very valuable. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
There are things like the paladins have some abilities that can add and give you extra. The extra ones are the best when they give you extra saves where you get a roll at the beginning and the end of your turn or before mm-hmm. you take damage. That's pretty boss. Um, resistance is handled pretty cool in a cool way. Um, so if a creature has, let's say they have resistance uh, 20, uh, let's see how, let me see how, let me read it. Um, resistance to energy types, any other type of damage is mm-hmm. the higher the number, the more resistance you have. Generally, resist 12 plus and so on and so forth. So let's say that um, uh, a, a wizard, here's their example a wizard uh, attacks a fire giant who is 16 plus, resistance 16 plus. A wizard attacking the giant with a fireball has to roll a natural 16 or higher on the attack roll to punch through the giant's resistance and do full damage. If he, if he rolls 15 or less, he only does half. half. Now, there are some people on this uh, um, live stream, I would imagine, that think that's kind of stupid. Why would a fire giant ever take damage versus fire? And I would be one of those people. Uh, I really don't like that they take a fire creature takes damage versus fire. But the game plays pretty well. It keeps it from feeling like you wasted your spell or all I've got is fireball. Crap, we're fighting a fire giant. I can't do anything. That's not very big damn heroish. Right. And, you know, you can think that, I mean, a fire giant is not a fire elemental. No. And it's not completely composed of fire. That's just part of its essence. So you can see how it's resistant, but doesn't necessarily take full damage or doesn't necessarily take no damage yeah. from fire at all times. Right. So, I mean, it, it's okay. I, I'm not I'm not opposed to the way they do resistance. I know Jonathan Tweet makes a comment, one of the creators, and which is one of the things I really love about how they um, do their uh, – um, do their um, book, do the book. I'm sorry. I'm trying to change pages and talk. I apologize. Um, so they go back and forth, tweet and hindsight, how they work things in their own game. And uh, Jonathan says, I think resistance, he really didn't want to have that kind of resistance. He wanted it to be all or nothing. And so he says, in my game, I don't mess with that namby pamby rule. <laughs> <laughs> so, this yeah. game is still yours to do with what you want. Oh, they encourage just that. Just like all the D20 games, just most most RPGs, I don't know, modern RPGs may not do this, but definitely in uh, most in the D20 games, there's usually some blurb about making it your own. Yeah, I, I would say this, but this is this go. I would say this is further. And they even say this in the beginning of the book. I would, I don't want to say urge, but I think everybody out there listening, and even those that aren't listening. I think purchasing, if you've got 50 bucks to spare or less, if you can get it cheaper, PDF is even cheaper online. You can buy it from Pelgram Press. There's some goodies in this game that poured over to other games pretty smoothly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth a read to everybody, OSI or OSR or otherwise, whether you're a Kravi guy, a 4E guy, if you play Thirsty. No, that one, not that one. But mm-hmm. uh, pretty much any other game that's fantasy, I think you could you could play this game. And if you read it, even if you didn't play it, you'd be like, ooh, I like this. If you play Thirsty Sword Lesbians, <laughs> then your best bet is to take that book, throw it into the nearest hot fire you can find, <laughs> and then order this book. You don't want to wait. You want to do that first. Make sure you've yeah. done that. Then you order this book or some other book other than Thirsty Sword Lesbians. I would say even the Sunday paper. 
would be a better <laughs> RPG than Thirsty Sword Lesbians. I want to call out Garthia here. I just noticed. He said it's not normal fire. It's magical fire, which will burn things that normally won't burn. That's yeah. And, and that's why I play it that way. I think that's yeah. reasonable. And that used to be a 2E kind of thing, too, or a 1E kind of thing. And like I said, it's just part of me is like, you know, if I'm a freaking red dragon, I mean, it used to be, don't cast fireball on me. I mean, you're just going to tickle me, you know, but I, I guess it's all right, though. I can live with it. I can live with it. Um, anyway, spell casting. Now, this is where I figured Joe would probably want to do more chatting there. Um would you want to want me to start on page 146, or do you want to take a peek there? Oh, I think I can go. Uh, you can go there. Um, I'll go there. You can. I can. Some- I can overview off memory. Yeah, so I've been. About- I've done a lot of spell casting in lots of games, and and this one. Yeah, the wizard's uh, interesting. Funny, mostly as a bard. Yes, in this game. <laughs> well, everybody else wants to play a wizard, and Joe's very dominant. Spell casting with most classes works the same. Uh, in a in a basic level, you have your various spell levels, like in a typical D20 game, except there's only odd level ones in this one because you only have even numbered, you only have 10 spell level. You only have 10 levels. Right. And you, uh, most classes generally have spells at every level if they cast spells at all, most of them, if they're typically spell casters. So um, you have only odd numbered spells, one, three, five, seven, nine, if you go all the way up to nine. And, uh, Instead of having level uh, uh, slots in all of your spells, they gradually get, you gradually less uh, get less of your low level spells. Well, you go up and then you go down, so you end up having um, only generally three. Once you max out on how many spell levels you can have, mm-hmm. um, you're only going to have three spell levels of spells. So once you get to say tenth level, and you could have all the way up to ninth. Well, in this case, the wizard, you only have seventh and ninth level spells. Yep. However, your spells themselves bump up. So let me you find might for you. a good one, not a utility. Let's find a good attack spell. There's a magic good. missile. There you so, go. Magic missile <clears throat> is an automatic. It has uh, third. Uh, it ranges all the way from first to ninth, like like. Yeah, typical, right? That's the that's the base damage of magic missile. Two D four force damage, and then it, it and it goes up as a ninth level spell to ten D six, which is pretty decent, really. For if you if you need damage, if you're having a creature you can't seem to hurt, ten D six ain't nothing to sneeze at. No. And, uh, yeah, even though you don't roll, it's pretty sweet. Um, and it's at will, so that means you get that every round if you want. Yeah. Every round of every. I mean, and all day, too, outside of combat. Pew, 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 pew. Notice, depending on what, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Joe, but depending on what level you are as a character, whether you're in the epic champion or adventurer tier, you can pick feats to modify this particular spell. Notice for champion feat, roll a d20 when you use the spell. If you roll a natural 20, the magic missile crits and deals double damage. And yes, folks, crits mean double everything. So that is essentially 20d6. A 26 magic missile. Yeah, I love it. Nothing's yeah. like that. Right, and then if you take the epic feat, it's d8s. Oh yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. So anyway, um, the way they then so that you don't have, and this is something that I've you know felt as a player of wizards over the years. Once you get up to high level, a lot of your low level slots just sit there and rot. You don't usually do anything with them. Yeah. So. Uh, this solves that problem if it is one. 
by only having the high level slots, your highest level slots up to three. I don't think anyone has more than three levels of spell at any one time. Yeah. And you just bump your spells up as appropriate. And most, if not all spells have multiple spell levels for you to be able to do that with. Yep. And also the spells have, uh, don't forget, they have different types. And they're all basically mostly attacks, though. Magic Missiles and Auto Hit. Um, let's, let me look at one that's, that, oh, let me look at one that's an attack roll, just so people can see what we mean from before. Uh, shoot. Where's a good attack one? Oh, Fireball. There you go. So it's a daily. We'll talk about that in a minute. This is your attack roll. Um, intelligence plus level. Yeah, intelligence plus level versus physical defense. Yep. And if you miss, you do half damage. Yes. And check out where it starts. 10d10. <laughs> and it gets juicy. So, <laughs> yes, this spell is for you, those of you who like rolling lots of damage dice. Yes, yes. Right here. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Piles of dice. Yeah, pretty sweet. They it don't goes have up that. to as many as 20. Is that what it said? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, as a ninth level spell, you can cast it and has 20d10 damage. Yeah, you can increase the targets if you take a champion feat. And yeah. oh wow, that's not bad. But yeah, uh, it's pretty, yeah, one extra for yeah. an epic feat. I don't know. Uh, to D, oh, instead of a D three, that's not all that great. Yeah, yeah. champion feat. That's kind of poop. So the one of the things that's in this uh, game that's a little annoying is sometimes the feats that modify spells and abilities are either. Um, not worth taking, like in my opinion, D3 or D3 plus one, I guess you yeah. have, still have a better minimum, but yeah. it's still only plus one. Yeah. And your epic feet can be probably better placed elsewhere. Um, or they're highly situational. Some abilities are high, especially for the fighter or the barbarian, they're highly situational. And in my opinion, not worth taking. But, but Unless you, you have extra despair. There's so some now. details too. Like at certain levels, you can pick certain abilities where you can, um, Evocation lets you maximize, do maximum damage on one spell. So if you evoked a ninth level fireball, you could guarantee 200 hit points of damage. Hey, Bruce. Hey, yeah, Bruce is there. All right, bud. All right. So, yeah. So what this game does for spellcasters is provide a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like everything else in this game, makes you a superstar. Yeah, and you don't like pick like blink three times and fireball three no. times. You pick different spells. That's the name of the game. I noticed Joe. I think Joe mentioned I did daily. There are three types of uh, mm. basically three types of spells, right? Oh, I forgot one. Close quarters. Yes, That's close one. quarters. There's four. So you have um, you have at will. Mm-hmm. You have well, close quarters isn't uh, close no. quarters is just uh, a range type. But it's also a type of spell. Notice blink. Is a close yes, it's spell. a close quarter spell, but it's also a daily. So it's not. There's no difference between. There's that's oh, not a, a differentiation between daily or yeah. at will right. or cyclical, Correct. which is a wizard right. thing. Thank you. Right. So at will means you cast it as much as you want. Yeah. Daily will, means once you've cast it, you're done. And there's a. We'll talk about daily in detail. There's some things on the DM side I need to talk about with heal ups and stuff. So that'll be a little bit later. Right. Uh, Close quarters means you can cast it while in combat. Yes. Beat down by that fire giant. Joe can go, blink, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, Range spell means you'll get smacked once if you try to cast it. Um, 
So by the guy, if you try to cast it, um, and I think that's probably it daily is, you know, there's also, um, recharge. So yeah, you cast it. And, uh, after the combat is over, when you're resting, you can roll a die. And if you roll high enough, you can get the spell back. Yeah. And there's other abilities to have that too. Yeah. The cyclical here's, so look at color spray here at the top. Close quarter spell. Cast once per battle or at will when the escalation die is even. We'll get to that. So mm-hmm. basically, if you save that, either cast it on the very initial round or save it till the even rounds, you can cast it and get it right back. And Color Spray is pretty good. That's mm-hmm. a nice spell. Most casters in Color Spray try their best not to cast it except on even rounds. So right. they can get it right back. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to comment about uh, spells and uh, casters there, Joe? Um, I think that covers it in a broad way. Um, uh, clerics operate a little differently. They have uh, casting for effect or casting for um, broad, effect or, broad effect or narrow effect. Yeah. 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 So you can get lots of targets or you can get fewer targets or single target in a, a higher power. But the progression spot. progression is the same. One, three, five, seven, nine. Uh, yeah. They've got a few other abilities. Clerics are pretty boss, like in every D20 game. Clerics can, can handle themselves very well. And I think that they, with uh, bards, how they get their spells is they don't have a spell progression. Well, yeah, they do. They have their own bard spells. They but do. they can, they can um, snag a spell from other classes mm-hmm. if they take the right talent. That's mm-hmm. part of the class. So... They're they're really jack of all trades, and um, I would say they're pretty good, but not masters of any of them. They're they're passable, so you can be the fighter or the magic user, and if you pick good backgrounds, you can even you know help out with them picking locks and stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we go on to the escalation die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is pretty one pretty cool uh, element of the game um, where uh, when combat starts escalation is at zero so the initial round the zeroth round of combat which we'd normally call the first round it's the zeroth round everybody is attacking doing normal nothing special when round one rolls around they suggest you take a d6 and i have a big one a huge one um, and i lay it on the table if I can, or somewhere near, and I put escal- and I put a one up. So everybody knows it's escalation one. That tells every player, you now have plus one to all your attacks. On, a- on round two, it goes to plus two. Round three, plus three. Some players, some classes have abilities that trigger on a certain escalation. The higher the escalation, the more likely players' attacks will hit. So if Joe's got a big old spell to take down the Lich, he's probably not casting it at round zero. He's probably going to wait till three or four, so he can or maybe later. He may wait till six if the fight's going bad, because if he's got plus six to hit, he's probably hitting that ledge. Um, this is meant to represent an idea of momentum, and that the hero, the heroes are again truly heroes. So they're got a good chance to win, and as the fight goes on, they get their will to keep fighting, their their uh, little oomph and chutzpah, and they come in there and they just start kicking butt and taking names uh doesn't mean i haven't i have had combats that have lasted past six rounds but if you get to seventh round it stays at plus six mm-hmm. there are monsters that can de-escalate they can literally roll in you'll be at plus six and they can go nope it's back to plus one or no nope, back to zero. Zero, yeah and some monsters can use the escalation dragons dragons can use the escalation die which makes them very very deadly um they don't not that they need much help no. 
But that's uh, as a rule, monsters and NPCs do not use the escalation die. It also lets you clean up and finish battles faster. What does Garris? So the escalation mechanic guarantees there is no sum offense. What does he mean? Sum no offense. No. Um, I'm not sure what he means. I'm not sure what you mean, Jeffrey Garris. Please, please explain. Please explain. Yes, please explain. The escalation die, basically, you could say on the server, you think, well, that guarantees a, a PC's win. I would say the rules in general guarantee the PC's win. This is just one part of it. This is just one part of it, yeah. I don't think it's necessarily um, – I don't know what he's saying. World War so One trench warfare. I guarantee there is no – there's no trench warfare. Oh, so basically um, with trench warfare, you basically had – both sides of trenches and shooting at each other and sitting there for yeah. days and days and days. And yeah, 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 no, no, it guarantees that the fight will end pretty soon. That's one of the, I think that's one of the, um, one of the part points of it is to keep, uh, fights brief. And the other part is to, um, bring forward the idea that the PCs are the, are the heroes and that they are supposed to win. And they're getting a little, uh, bump from the game system to do that. Yeah, escalation means not last forever and ever. Correct, yeah. correct, right, Jeffrey. Um, also, uh, it can mean too. I mean, I have seen there's several creatures that man they can't. Oh, I mean, hit that. Uh, escalation means um, there are some creatures that I'm waiting for a certain escalation die to hit, and things go crazy. Like some monsters go into a berserk rage at escalation three. Some of their criticals become insane. There's a monster I know that every hit becomes a critical at escalation four or higher. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, he's like a, he's a rage beast. And I'm like, I've never had a had him quite make it there. The one or two times I've used him, but I was like, dude, if he makes it, the players are about to feel some serious pain. So um, there's opportunities. Uh, I would just say that my personal opinion is one problem. I don't think it's just the escalation die. I think the game is built for the players to win. Uh, I think I've said before, I've only had one character ever die. And that was uh, this dude right here, uh, kicked another player character off a tower with good reason. But that yeah. was the only reason that I've ever had a player character actually die. No, I've had one other that probably should have died, but they did some role play, story, indie game stuff to save them. But that was okay. That's part. Oh, of we it. haven't mentioned um, recoveries. That's part of the your class abilities. Yeah, um, I have that um, near the. Oh, end. there it is. There it is. I see it. Do you want to jump to it? Um, we can well, do that. Uh, part of your class abilities are is the ability. It's the same thing as in fifth edition where you have your recovery dice. But it, yeah. And it's a little, yeah. And you basically, if you are, if after a battle, you are knocked down to half your hit points or left, you must spend enough recoveries. Let's see, where do I have this page? Yeah, to bring you up to at least half. Yeah, you have to do that. Uh, let me find. But it's essentially self-healing. Yes, it is. And it's, I say good and bad. Um, it does keep you from, um, relying on a cleric fully and it's meant to be the hero that's why i say hit points aren't all physical so when you heal yourself it's not a matter of um just you know look i'm magical and i heal myself but you re you know you re what's the word you re refocus you regird um, your loins and yeah. yeah so um for example you know a barbarian has so many uh i'll do this I'll, I'll give you an example with talents and feats and you'll see what crunk is rolling with oh i have an example um 
once I, I took a feat and I'll explain what it is, or is it a talent, one or the other. And I roll at third level 3d12 plus three for my con for a recovery. And I have eight or nine of them. So that means when I'm resting, if I spend one of my recoveries, I roll 3d12 plus three. That's pretty boss. Right. Uh, variants can lose hit points and gain them fast. Yeah. Uh, now, during the fight, during a battle, you don't have a, not many classes have an opportunity to use recoveries of their own volition. The only option they would have would be the rally action. That's where they sit themselves out of combat for a round and they spend a recovery rallying themselves. You can do that once for free, but then you have to make a saving throw of 11 or higher to ever do it again in that combat. So uh, recoveries are ways to limit the need of clerics, though clerics are great to have because they can give you free recoveries. They can give you recoveries in combat without having to rest or rally not rest but rally so i think that's uh i think that's pretty cool for this game it's good for this game i would say okay um, uh, i just want to mention something pat yes, pat our friend pat mm-hmm. he um is watching but because of some weird thing he's mm-hmm. unable to comment um uh-huh. on his mobile device for some reason mm-hmm. Um, so that being the case, he said, earth dawn drink, um, <laughs> did the whole recovery di- thing before even fourth edition. What's so, that? Earth dawn did recovery. Oh, okay. Cool for them. Yeah. Another reason I should probably buy earth dawn. I really think I'm going to eventually, we're going to play it. They make it sound fun. I think you would like it too, Joe. Probably. Um, With the casting the way it works so theix says i still don't get the idea of the healing dice in 5e uh darth still healing oh okay yeah and i would say in 13th age if you're going to use that sort of thing you got to kind of accept that you can do it that you can just get yourself uh you know uh rolling what was funny is max in there saying something (laughs) i was going to say um ed earth dawn or ed (laughs) I had recovery tests, but it, but I didn't want to drink. Well, drink. Hey, Patrick had your back. No worries. Um, yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about also bouncing around here. If it's okay, shall we move out of recovery? Yeah. So we're going to, are we going to talk about the class talents or well, just, here's a play? Here's a play first. Uh, so the game briefly. is based on, yeah, briefly. Adventurer tier is levels one to four. Champion tier is five to seven. And epic tier is eight to 10. This is a very meta idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, so the idea is like, you know, at the adventure tier, you're kind of saving villages and maybe fighting, you know, ogres and, you know, uh, small giants or owlbears and bullets. And then the champion tier, you jump to dragons, some lower level dragons, maybe a, a, a vampire here or some other kind of tougher areas. And they might – and those sort of tiers can also change the environment. I'll talk about that with the DM stuff. And then the epic tier levels 8 to 10. Now you're starting to do the amazing, you know, super – uh, BA stuff, uh, feats, powers, spells, talents, they can all be chosen and triggered at those levels. So, um, those are basically ways to delineate just like tiers, what they talked about in, you know, fourth edition, the tiers of play was it adventurer, paragon, epic or something similar. Yeah. You, you know, very, very similar. It, um, stratifying the different things and even magic items too. Yeah. To agree. Yeah. 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 Um, on talents and such. And this this took me a minute to grok. I don't know. I don't know about you, Joe. But one of the things about feats in this game in third edition, you pick a feat and you get the ability to do something in this game. You do, too. But it was strange how feats were placed 
in what I thought odd positions. Like everybody saw already, if they were looking at the screen, that when you, you know, spells and such, where can I find this? Here we go. So the spells here, Invisibility Purge, that doesn't even have one, better yet. Meteor Swarm has an epic feat, okay? I had to be like, so you pick a particular feat for one spell? And it just sounded like, what a waste of a feat. But I don't think they're all wastes. Uh, Joe made a point that some of them seem a little bit weak sauce, and I don't disagree. Um, well, spells are a special case, though. Yeah, spells. And then you have talents. Like, here's the wizard class talents. If you pick Abjuration, you cast a daily wizard spell. You get plus four year to your AC until the end of your next turn. That doesn't sound like great, but when you really don't want to get bit by that Bulette jumping over your Cavalier, that's a pretty sweet thing to get. And then, of course, you can modify that talent with any of those feats. So talents are given to you in your table. So here's the wizard table. Um, oh, maybe it's not. Where are the talents? Okay, the, the, you don't get extra talents. That's why they're not in the table. You start out oh. with th a two or three, oh, and then that's I all see. you get. Oh, I'm thinking of some other classes. Other right? classes, they, they get yeah. more depending okay. on what level they are. It's still not that much more, but they get no. a few more, a couple more. Not really. And there's some mundane <coughs> – excuse me. There's some mundane feats that they put under general feats, um, like you know improved initiative, reach attack, and a few other things that are kind of – you know plain sauce um mm -hmm. so i think they help they improve some of them make them a little more useful and um i, I kind of like the way how, the way they do it but sometimes like joe said i think it gets a little it gets a little weenie when you're like oh, i don't want to pick that's that's crap or if you really if you want to follow the rules directly you also can't take the epic feat of a spell or talent until you've taken the adventurer or champion tier feat. Right. Which means you may have to take some crappy feats just to get to the one you really want. You might, you might. It's not a general rule, but sometimes. And with spells, it works in the way that a wizard prepares their spells or has certain spells. When you select them, uh, when you level, it's kind of like you've prepared them. You have a spell book and all these spells are in them. Yeah, and on a daily basis, you can switch out. Yep, uh, I think it's daily, or it's on a full heal up, or a full rest, or something like that. Right, you can switch them out, and when you switch them out, you can actually switch the feats too. You're not yeah. stuck. You're not stuck with those. You can. I, I think it's a little more optional with the feats, but you can. Well, if you switch a spell, it would make sense that you probably yeah, yeah. do that. Um, so, like for example, with Crunk the Barbarian, shall I do him as an example, and then we'll move on to yeah, the go ahead. Okay, hang with us, folks. We're almost we're two thirds of the way through. Crunk, the level three barbarian, being human, Crunk gets a plus one feat. That's a bonus at level one. Um, as a racial trait, I roll with advantage on initiative. So basically, two d twenty, pick the highest. And at third level, I would get a grand total of four feats and three adventurer tier talents. I chose for Crunk the whirlwind talent and the adventurer feat to that talent to modify it. When he's engaged with more than one foe, as his first action in his turn, <coughs> he can take minus four to his AC and his physical defense and attack them all. Basically roll one die and or you have to roll do you have to roll multiple dice, Joe? You have to attack each one of them, do you know? I think okay. you have to attack them all individually, attack yeah. Individually. And if I miss, I deal normal miss damage, which will be my level. So that's not too bad. Um, I also chose the Unstoppable Talent <coughs> as my second um, talent and its feat. 
So once per battle, if I hit a foe, I can heal using a recovery. That allows my barbarian to recover under my own recognizances <laughs> instead of a, you know, a cleric. Needing cleric. Uh, the barbarian rage feat is free. All barbarians get it. I chose the uh, adventurer tier feat so that once a day is a quick action until the end of the battle, I can roll 2d20, choose the best. If I happen to roll 11 or higher on both dice, it counts as a crit. Joe plays a barbarian, and that happens, unfortunately, a lot more than I like. Mm-hmm. He just tears through monsters. Sometimes it doesn't happen, though. You're like, come on, come on, come on. Right. It doesn't happen. 15. Or you don't, or you don't get to uh, escalation four. Yes. But I'll tell you what does happen is cycling through hit points. Yes. <laughs> yes. That barbarian cycles through hit points. He goes up and down, up and down, up and down. You gotta get comfortable adding and subtracting. Yeah. 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 My feet, the feet that I chose would let me at escalation four or higher, I get to rage for free. So Joe is often waiting till escalation four to go into his furious blood rage and kick the crap out of stuff. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, then strong heart talent. Of our, I think I mentioned that. And yeah. the associated tier feet. My recovery dice are now D12s instead of D10s, and I get plus one. So Crunk at third level has nine recoveries, rolling 3D12 plus three. Pretty, pretty sweet. So even when he's not handing out the damage, he can soak it up. Yeah. He can. And that's the job. That is the job of the barbarian. Yes. Is to either or soak up de- and deal damage because he can do both. Mm-hmm. But. I would say more often than not, he's soaking. Yeah, he's a yeah. He does a lot. Well, and that's better him than someone else because he yes. has well, lots of hit points. Yeah, fifty hit points at third level. That's nothing to sneeze at. Right. All right. Okay. So, right. shall we move on to the the new indie namby pamby crap? Yes, we can do right. that. Okay. So yeah, before we start, yeah, we're almost at two hours. Okay. So and do this in another one time. Well, if we don't, it'll it will be hard pressed to get into um uh you know interaction here with our with okay. our fellow people so maybe we can bump this the new stuff yeah to next time yeah the and it's all indie stuff so most of the osr folks here don't care anyway right it's all indie crap it's all it's all we don't want to hear that sauce. whiny weak sauce crap yeah okay so we'll push that to next week on episode three and episode three will probably be about the new stuff, uh, the DM tools, and how the monsters work. And who knows? Maybe there'll be an episode four with just the monsters. And the backgrounds, so, which is skill-related. Yeah. Failing forward. Yay. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. That's Yeah, that's interesting. So, all right. That wraps up 13th Age for tonight, then. And uh, what's everybody else talking about? Do you have a one-more-shot topic for us, Joe, or not? Has anybody brought some things up we need to really talk about? Um, um, I know last week we talked about ranting and do we need to, and right. we, we, I think we decided we will when we, we want to, but sure. uh, we're not going to just, um, at the drop of a hat to start screaming. No. Or yes, either you can buy earth dawn or you can get a paint job for Tiamat. Crap. I can't do both. No, can't do both. I think, uh, I think Max told me to, uh, you told me to buy a second edition Earth Dawn and use the first edition. I don't. I don't want to pay a lot of money, so maybe Earth Dawn's very expensive. Uh, oh, you go on eBay. Go on eBay. Oh, look at Larry calling me out. Randy, bring Crunk to Cabin Come. Like to see if I can kill him. Okay, but I'm tell you right now, he's unstoppable. Just look at that talent, dude. He says it on his sheet. Unstoppable. It says it on my sheet, so forget it. 
Yeah. Um, I think what I want to say though is considering some things that happened on the interwebs over the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, um, or we can stop sharing. Okay. Oh, yes. We meaning me, Joe's like saying, Randy, uh, stop. There yeah. we go. Mm-hmm. And because we're stopping the sharing, we're stopping the caring. <laughs> no caring from us. So, um, a lot of people made a lot of, well, I think over the last week, and I didn't watch a whole lot of them, but I heard about it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of video, YouTube video responses to other people's YouTube videos. And it might have been a big back and forth responding to each other kind of fest. And really? um, for various reasons. And um, don't need to get into them. Oh, okay. But it's more the concept of response videos at all. Oh, yeah. Do and, we do that? Huh. And I'm, uh, I just don't, I mean, I could do it, but. I'm not really into it. Here's something I heard. Um, a guy who I don't listen to anymore. Um, yeah, I can't, I kind of agree with Jeffrey here. <laughs> so many whiny, ranty, whiny rants. I kind of like it. That's bad of me. Um, might even be sinful. It might be a gossip thing. But I heard this. On, on, I used to listen to Colin Cowherd, uh, folks that are into sports at all. And he made a comment that he would have an opinion on something. Yeah, I got that one. I starred that one. I got you, Max. I'll do it. Um, no, he wants me to listen to his 10-minute intro to Earth Dawn. Yes. Uh, Legion of Myth has a 10-minute intro to Earth Dawn. Uh, the bonus content in that video tells you how I'd or yeah. Max would play it. Would yeah. play it. Okay, yeah. He, he gave me some ideas. Yeah. So my thought is this, Joe, on your response videos to someone else's video or post whatever. or yeah. whatever. Um, I think it's like when Colin Coward said he has an opinion on a topic. I think LeBron James is blah. And then someone, he said he used to when he would take callers, they'd have a response. And he goes, I would make a comment. They'd respond. I don't necessarily feel the need to respond to their response. Right. But right. that seems to be the inevitable it can happen that way. It can happen. And as long as that didn't happen, I would say that's good. You know, that's just like if J. Scott Garibay, I have I have uh, mentioned the phrase, if he goes on and says Gygax is the most uh, iconic American um, entertainment uh, personality. No, he just said most iconic American ever. Whatever, whatever yeah. statement is, I would feel desire. I would desire and probably respond to that. And I would say, no, it's obvious that besides me, it's Superman. So, right. I mean, but I mean, you know, whatever you can make your comment, but I don't think it should be a forever back and forth. Are there like, are there grudge matches on, on in the gaming area where they go back and forth constantly? Duke and well, I don't know about constantly, but there are some back and forths. And yeah. uh, while I don't know, and I don't think that, any either of us are involved in any of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only time I might respond. Um, if someone mentioned you or I mm-hmm. individually and said, Oh, they suck over there because blah, 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 then maybe. Right. But if it's just about their bad take, I mean, we have enough fun. I think um, doing that with, yeah. Um, according to Le- Legion of myth, video responses can be fun. We haven't made one in quite a while, but they are good for views if you care about that. And didn't uh, Max and company work with who's the guy that they had a pretend one a few months back? They had yes. Those, that's funny, though. That was funny. Yeah. And you can't tell. Because you know how crazy us gamers are. Sometimes you can't tell um, with uh, 
Yeah, Max, you're right. One, one's enough. Yeah. Um, and people get into their stuff. Though. That's true. They do get into the gaming stuff. Geeks are, if anything, not, if not anything, but contentious. Yeah, Rob, there you go. That dude's pretty good. I like listening to him. Rob from Rob's Game Group. Yeah, he's not bad. And yeah, he I have to get. Variety. I have to watch some of that. He plays a variety of games from OSR to. Uh, Rube, yeah, because you said Rube. Rube, I said I knew what he meant. Yeah, but um, he plays variety OSR to regular, regular games. <laughs> regular. Did <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> yeah, um, I just think uh, don't. I, I'd rather I can bash on th- some things like um, certain concepts and punching up at the. You can uh, get rid of that now. Hide. Um. Um. We can punch up at uh, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Uh, because they make a bunch of dumb decisions, or I can maybe do a lateral punch and um, at these weird uh, articles that you can easily find on a half a dozen websites Kotaku. that claim to be <laughs> something that they're not. Like they were reporting on the gaming hobby. Um, and some of them are just bloggers, but you know, there's a lot of bad article writers out there. They should really go back to school if that's what they plan on doing for their life. Jeffrey makes Jeffrey Garrison makes another good comment. Yeah, Watsy bashing is kind of mandatory. Okay. Yeah, they deserve it. They do. Paizo yeah. too, in my opinion. When Paizo yeah. is their cake well, the less so because they didn't make a game that says D and D on it and then to make it not D and D. Yeah, but it was. But like, they have. There's other reasons for them. Yeah, yeah for sure. Know. But I, th- I think, like, like, you know, I do think one and done. So if someone said, Randy, you suck. He's the worst part of Biggest Geek is I'd respond and say, well, you're right, but I am the best we got for number two. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best we got right now, dudes. Until best we get a replacement, you're stuck with me. Yeah. So I hate to tell you. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know if anybody has done that. I mean, we've had some negative feedback, oh. but – um, none that n- only once or twice that's ever been made. We've been made aware of. So yeah, people might have, there might be some negative uh, feedback out there, you know, on the internet that I have, I'm, I'm unaware of. And, and as long as I'm unaware of it, and even if I've become aware of it, I probably won't care a whole lot. So yeah. um, it depends on what it is and from, from what source. Um, so who knows? Yeah. It does. But response videos, unless it's directly involving us, I don't think that there's any real great need for us to, you know, go on to somebody else's YouTube channel. And I mean, there's already a lot of people. Uh, there's already a lot of people that do that. So if you want to see that, then there's already a lot of that going on. So a lot of people that, that just go back and forth with each other. Yeah. Yeah. They make response videos and then respond to the response. And there's not maybe not a lot after that, but there's a lot of uh, people doing that. So I mean, it really should just be opinion, right? Because a lot of this is my opinion is blah yeah, yeah. for this reason, and then I go, hmm, Joe, that's a stupid opinion. Here's what I think, and then you'd be like, you're dumb. Let's move on. Right, <laughs> I right, disagree. Right. And it, we might be missing out on some um, on some subscriber counts, and we might be missing out on some views by not trying to generate any more rage than, and we don't generate a lot, but you know, sometimes we'll poke, poke it like we said, Watsy and whatnot. And we, I don't, we just don't, maybe we'll gather our, our like-minded 
individuals slowly and amass our power um, <laughs> over the long haul and eventually take over the tabletop world. Well, we, do, we do have a Dwarven not. We have a Dwarven defender out there. Martinson said he's keeping all the bad press from us. Ah, well, thank you. But we do need a shield, a shield master, so that's cool. All right. Well, you about ready to wrap this puppy up, Joseph? Well, we... Let's see. Is there anything else? Can... Anything else you want to talk? That, that was a good question. I like that. We should try to add that uh, a final question sort of at the end of every right. live stream. Makes the live streams juicy. I think we did hit the highlights there, even with chat. Um, unless somebody wants to bring up a point they already made that we didn't. Uh, right, Randy. But so many present their opinion as truths. Yeah, everything's so subjective in in our hobby because it is like just it. a hobby. It's just a game, and that's that's the thing. A lot of people take it way too seriously, like Garibay. I mean, and there's only one thing that we've said recently that's objectively true, and that's thirsty sword lesbi- lesbians is you know garbage. Should be burned. Should yeah. be burned. It's objectively true. Objectively I mean, the, the art on it all by itself. I mean, <laughs> crap, crap. On. Yeah, and not liking art is definitely not an opinion. No, no, objective, objective. <laughs> yeah, objective. Oh, there, I, I guarantee you that there's an art teacher out there who can explain some objective truths about art. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, I can't do it, but I can, I can point to something that I think is objectively awful. Like, um, let's, I've, I've thrown some paint on my body. I've rolled around on a canvas, and there it is. I'll just say that's objectively stupid. That's I can art. just go, see that pe- that painting? I like that. Mm-hmm. See that one? I don't like that. That's yeah. the best I can do. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. We got here. Uh, that way they don't die thirsty. Uh, games are serious business, says Legion of Myth. That's true. Don't be screwing around. Get to it. Serious business. It ain't just about having fun. Oh, wait a minute. It kind of is. But we here's a spicy question from Jeffrey Garrison. Oh, who will win the cringiest death battle of our time? Eric Tenkar or new TSR? They oh. kind of hate each other, don't they? They do. hate. do you? Th- here's a question for you guys, because I haven't I've been watching Eric in a while. And personally, we've been on this podcast early on. Um, and I, I kind of like Eric. I think I would like Eric. like a, a good dude. Is he being pretty cringy? Is he going a little overboard with the new TSR? Or is it – because, I mean, from what I've gathered, and mostly it's from his perspective when I have checked into it, uh, it seems like the new TSR people are a little bit – they seem like they're doing some pretty cheesy stuff, but it doesn't – I don't necessarily – I don't have any hate for them. Um, they haven't done anything yet explicitly that makes you I want to hate them, is it? Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> National Endowment for the Arts gave $10 or something like that for pooping on paper. Yeah, that's yeah. All. Government giving uh, money to the arts always involves stupidity. Oh, here's yours, Joe. Dark things right up your alley, dude. I once had an art teacher tell me that I don't know what art is because I require that a picture of a house actually look like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe would say that. Much not like like modern. There's a lot of modern art that I really can't stand. Well, one that's ugly. It's really ugly. A lot of it, and uh, uh, like utilitarianism and. Um, just modern, postmodern, all that stuff. There's a lot of it's gobbledygook. Yeah. I like pictures of things. You know, I like horses and animals and buildings and cool action photos. Ooh. I don't care about abstraction in art. Not right. Abstraction. So you have the one side who will say, you have some people who will 
pick out the good of both. And there are there's some good uh, modern art, but to me, not much. And more more of your uh, earlier art ages are, are are worth looking at. Yeah, people that can draw good ISPs. Right. Freeze. But uh, there are um, the other side will say, well, they're just they're just painting what's out there. How creative is that? Oh, so on the Tinkar thing get a couple of these up here let me go back to this one sorry jeffrey garrison new tsr is something that you know just don't want to be near ground zero yeah i think it's going to explode uh eric's in the middle of ground zero is he just putting himself there um eric knows vince florio is that the evil dm um vince florio it might be i don't know who knows Justin Lanasa before the grits i heard about the grits wrestling incident so there is a brawl going on oh Tinker has a worse hate boner for Clownfish TV. I don't They're know. okay. They're sometimes off. They have their opinions. Uh, who cares? Yeah. Most of the time I, when I've seen their opinions, I've agreed with them, I think. Just about. Oh, I didn't know this. Neon mentions that's the guy from the person from yeah. the chick. Uh, something about gaming and he gets all crazy. Huh. All right. So yeah, he's Vince Florio is the evil GM. So are, are you saying that Vince and Tinkar have a little bit of a? I thought they used to do a podcast together. Are they kind of on the outs now over this whole new TSR? That hmm. seems silly to get mad over. Well, I guess if they're friends with, with them. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, Vince Florio also runs a, a, a MeWe page and kind of organizes OSR uh, creators over there. Uh, voluntarily, obviously. But, sure, sure, sure. Um, into if under one. The, if you play in the OSR, you're up to your head. You better do it. Join organization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was Vince. I, he's fine. I, I don't know. I haven't had issues with either one of them. And, you know, we all have our bones to pick. You know, I, I lose my mind over, you know, players like Joe who want to be able to choose their own path and they won't stay on stupid rails. And Joe doesn't like people who write bad articles. I mean, it's just a thing. Rails are for the weak. <laughs> Rails are for those that should do what they're told and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard him called that. Have you heard him called that, Joe? No. The pod father. Vince is the pod father of the OSR. Yeah. Oh, well. It's a shame if they're fighting, if they're beefing. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'd read, I think it might have been Tinkar that said Clownfish TV was the worst. It was really bad. And I'm like, they seem okay. They, they don't always hit everything out of the park, though. I yeah, think, unless he had some specifics, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with him. I think they're gaming adjacent uh, clownfish. I think they. Well, they they cover a broad range of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is cool. That's fine. Yeah. They have the right to an opinion too. Yeah. And they tend to hate the uh, Watsi, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not bad. They they don't like any of the comic stuff that you know most of us don't like. I mean, we're, we're we overlap more than anything else. I oh. Would. Since everybody's up here, I showed this earlier. You mind if I, I want to pimp Graham Nolan's work again? So this is Alien Alamo. I Indigo Indiegogo'd this, and uh, it's very sweet. It's aliens versus some um, farmers slash cowboys in the no- late 1950s, or, yeah, 1957. I got it today, and I read it today. It is beautiful. It is manly. Uh, I'm going to read again the uh, – they're coming out with another one called and go to Indiegogo Graham Nolan if you get a chance collection of 
giant size two-fisted manly tails. I'm going to kick. I'm going to Andy Gogo this collection of ball busting, knuckle dusting, lip splitting, teeth teeth spitting tales of toxic masculinity by some of the greatest artists, artists and writers in the business. In the current soy-based entertainment world today, these stories will make you proud to be a man again. Good stuff. Love it. Um, I would like to know specifics on this. Uh, Jeffrey yeah. says, OSR publishers love to use public domain art for the, the old-timey flavor, but there are so many reasonable artists that would either be free or cheap. I know our friend Pat would disagree, but maybe uh, your people should talk to his people because yeah. and, and and our people because we're going to probably need some art soon. Free, free is cool. The cheap is also cool. I don't want people to do work for nothing. No, I kind of want them to give us. Yeah, I want to pay artists. That's something I can't do, man. As long as it's good art. Oh, interesting. Neon didn't know Luke and Ernie were full brothers, as Shad's are, because everyone knows everybody. <laughs> True. Who knows, man? Whatever. If that's a contention, that's kind of that's kind of odd to be worried about. Oh. I mean, I didn't know. Uh, um, Gygax had married multiple times until fairly recently myself. Oh, okay. Check this next one out. I knew this, though. Tinkar screwed up claiming Egg of Coot, should be Coot, C-O, I think it's C-O-O-T, uh, was E. Gary Gygax. It was not that. Um, it was actually a man named Greg Scott Dave yeah, I played with. Uh, Egg of Coot, wasn't that written by Arneson? Not Gygax? That's what I was thinking. I don't know. The Egg of Coot was a was an artifact and an adventure, I believe. But I'm not sure. So, oh well. Anyway, I think we'll end on that. Okay. Ha ha. Yes. Ha ha. All you people. Thanks, Jeffrey. All right. If you'd like to support our show, please visit, please visit the many places uh, you can find us on the interwebs. Uh, website, www.biggestgeekestpodcast.com. Click on support if you'd like to give us all your money, or at least some money. Twitter at Biggest Geekest. Facebook, MeWe, Odyssey. YouTube, of course, which we're on right now, I hope. And email the geeks at biggestgeekespodcast.com. Share it with your friends. Join us with this sweet live stream. Keep telling us cool ways to get better. Joe is working the circuit. He's our superstar visitor on all everybody's podcast. And uh, yeah, subscribe, like, share, rate us where you get places to do that. <sighs> this is Randy. And this is Joe. And remember, we can't be big like us and be geeks like us. Bye. Later. <laughs>